we are still in the season of Advent, just a few days from Christmas, lots of stressful things happening in our lives and in the world. Let's pray for help from Jesus together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, in every need, let me come to you with humble trust, saying, Jesus, help me. In all my doubts, perplexities, and temptations, Jesus, help me. In hours of loneliness, weariness, and trials, Jesus, help me. In the failure of my plans and hopes, in disappointments, troubles, and sorrows, Jesus, help me. When others fail me and your grace alone can assist me, Jesus, help me. When I throw myself on your tender love as a father and savior, Jesus, help me. When my heart is cast down by failure at seeing no good come from my efforts, Jesus, help me. When I feel impatient and my cross irritates me, Jesus, help me. When I am ill and my head and hands cannot work and I am lonely, Jesus, help me. In spite of weakness, fails, and shortcomings of every kind, Jesus, help me and never forsake me. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know a few people in almost every single one of those lines in that litany in my own world, and some of those people are me sometimes. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad that you're along. We are here to help you through the noise, the chaos, the stress, the weariness, whatever it is. And up this hour, Anna Mitchell's got news. I'm Matt Swain. Paul Lockman is at the controls. And Travis has a video feed you can watch in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Andrew Pettiprin is going to talk about a new book he's written about the Vatican film list, which came out many years ago, uh, but has some very interesting films on it, and he'll dig into that a little bit today. This weekend, we've got Christmas Eve on a Sunday, Christmas on a Monday, and that means two holy days of obligation in a row. And Brendan has broken down all the different ways that you can creatively fulfill those obligations during what's going to be some... Well, really some awesome, some of the coolest liturgies of the year. Ken Craycraft will talk about a Christmas story by Charles Dickens. Not the one you're thinking about, though. Uh, Dickens actually wrote a few of them. And then Mike Aquilina will join us here at the end of the hour as well to talk about uh, the incarnation and uh, what the church fathers had to say about it. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Church leaders are stressing there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with the new guidance issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The declaration does not change the church's teaching about marriage in any way, and the blessings that are allowed do not in any way signify approval of irregular unions. In summary, the Castries Declaration explains that when two people request a blessing, even if the situation they find themselves in is irregular according to church law, it will nonetheless be possible for an ordained minister to consent to give the individuals a blessing. This gesture of pastoral closeness, however, must avoid any elements that even remotely resemble the right of blessing of a marriage. The document from the Dicastery explores the theme of blessings, distinguishing between ritual and liturgical blessings on the one hand, and spontaneous ones that are more akin to signs of popular devotion on the other. 
It is precisely in the second category that there is now consideration of the possibility of welcoming even those who do not live according to the norms of Christian moral doctrine, but nonetheless humbly request to be blessed. You can find a link to the full text of the Declaration in our coverage of the document on our website at www.vaticannews.va. I'm Christopher Wells. The U.S. Bishops' Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical or sacramental blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. The statement says the church's teaching on marriage has not changed, and this declaration affirms that, while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. The late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is set to be laid to rest today. Funeral services for O'Connor will be held at Washington National Cathedral, where President Biden and Chief Justice John Roberts are scheduled to speak. She was honored at the Supreme Court Monday, where she lied in repose inside the building's Great Hall. O'Connor, who was the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court, died on December 1st at the age of 93. The Biden administration will roll out one more package of military aid for Ukraine before the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on Monday. This comes as the administration is warning the U.S. will run out of money to provide military support to Ukraine if Congress doesn't take action. The Senate is currently negotiating a deal for additional funding and border security. Republicans say Ukraine aid will have to be paired with a deal on immigration. I'm Mark Mayfield. Hundreds of thousands of customers are without power in the Northeast due to a major storm packing strong winds and heavy rain. Poweroutage.us showed power was knocked out for more than 600,000 people from Massachusetts up to Maine as of last night. Hazardous driving conditions and possible flash flooding is expected across the region. Parts of New Jersey, New York and Connecticut could see urban flooding due to heavy rain. And Icelandic authorities are asking people to stay away from an erupting volcano. The eruption sent lava jets hundreds of feet into the air and lit up the sky in the southwestern part of the country last night. It was preceded by an earthquake swarm, whatever that is. A nearby resort was forced to shut down because of the eruption. Matt, I would... Authorities have to tell people to stay away from an erupting volcano. I mean... It's like me talking to Agnes. Like, Agnes, stay away from the hot stove. Have you seen the footage of this? Hurt the baby. Hot. It's... I I don't know if it has to do with the temperature or the fact that it happened at night. Or, like, it's just... It's crazy. Would you run toward it? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not the person who runs toward a volcano. This is where we need. We had Bear on Bear Wozniak on far too early in the week. Of course, he's a Hawaiian, you know, right, lives in, right, in volcanoes, volcano country. Well, but, yeah. you remember Kilauea? Yeah, Kilauea. Is that? I think yes, Kilauea. Yeah. No, it's terrifying, but uh, you know, every now and then, it is helpful for us uh, egotistical, prideful humans to remember that we're not like the most powerful force in all of the universe. Yeah. Like little things like this just remind me that like, 
you know, I can control certain things, you know, I can be the master of certain aspects of mm-hmm. my life and destiny, but I am not the biggest force in the universe. Yeah. Not even on this planet. Actually, probably not even in this zip code. So. A couple of days ago was the anniversary of San Gennaro's relic saving the people of Naples from Which just liquefied again this week, by the way. Well, yeah, because December 16th, you know my story with Roma. I know your December story. December 16th is the day. That her blood clot in her brain liquefied the same liquefied. day. Liquefied. Yep. It's pretty there are forces in this universe bigger than you and me, Anna the Mitchell. I don't know if you're so aware thin. of this. So, so thin. It's eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Andrew Pettiprin, who, along with a couple of other guys, has put together a new book for Word on Fire called Popcorn with the Pope. It is a look at the Vatican film list. Andrew, welcome back. Glad to be back with you, Matt. Thank you. So to preface this, I have to note that you, Andrew, were, uh, along with Father Michael Ward, both priests in the Episcopal Anglican world. I don't know David Paul Baird, your third contributor, but I know enough to know from his bio he went to Wheaton College. I'm trying to envision, and I don't think that this kind of thing exists. If it does, then forgive me. Is there a Canterbury film list? Is there a Billy Graham Memorial film list? The, the idea of a Vatican film list is kind of like its own thing. Yeah, it sure is. You're right. Um, yeah, between uh, me and Father Michael Ward and David Paul Baird, all three of us were former Protestants. And, uh, you know, as it happens, all three of us are, are great uh, movie watchers and cinephiles. But, yeah, you're right. There's no, there's no film list uh, that any other Christian group has, as far as I know. But we do, as Catholics. Pope St. John Paul II in 1995 issued uh, a list that had the unassuming title, Some Important Films. And, and on the list were 45 movies that have come to be called the Vatican Film List. And even though it came out in 1995, nobody's ever written a comprehensive book, like a guidebook, to the movies that are on the list. So Brother Michael and David and I decided to do that. And uh, we could talk a little bit more about why there probably will never, ever be another Vatican film list. I, I just yeah. I can't even envision the possibility of how that would work and how it might play out. I mean, can you imagine if social media was in the state that it is today when the Pope released this film list? Yeah, well, it's you know, the list came out to mark the 100th anniversary of the first public showing of a motion picture. So it was this landmark moment. And it also was kind of this interesting moment in the culture the, at the end of the 20th century where there still was a kind of popular culture that, that prevailed in the West. And so even even the Vatican could kind of say, hey, here are some movies. You might, you might have seen them. You might not. Nowadays, our culture is so fragmented. I mean, people don't really watch the same things. And, yeah, if the, if the Vatican put out a list of movies that they thought people might be interested in, there would probably just be so much blowback. I mean, there would just be like social media would just go crazy if if the Pope put out a list saying, you know, here are some movies, right? Right. In 1995, there was no way to, like, illegally download movies, right? I mean, you might be right. able to— uh burn a dvd if you had the right tech or more likely copy over a vhs but these movies were you know movies didn't make it i mean right now there's just so much saturation like i feel like everywhere i look people are talking about 500 new shows that i've never heard of like this was a different sort of world when these movies came out so 
when you came up across the Vatican film list, did you look and immediately say, oh, cool, the Pope likes some of the same movies I do? Were there any on the list that were like, these are some of my favorite movies, too? Some of them definitely, Matt. I mean, you know, some of the movies that are on the list and that, that I that David and Father Michael and I got to write about are movies that people will know. Movies like It's a Wonderful Life, The Wizard of Oz, Fantasia, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Chariots of Fire, Ben-Hur, things like that. Like, you know, movies that a lot of people will have seen, or at least, you know, people who like movies. But then there are a lot of movies on the list that people probably haven't seen. And a lot of them are, you know, European classics like um, Babette's Feast. Some people might have seen that, but some people might not have seen movies like um, Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half or um, maybe um, Andrei Tarkovsky's Andrei Rublev. You know, these kind of art house movies, sort of, you know, thinking people's movies. Now, we love, we love these movies, the other authors and I. And we, one of the things we wanted to do with the book was to make these movies seem attractive to people who may not otherwise turn to kind of more highbrow type movies. But the list is full of all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, that's kind of part of the idea is the Vatican is saying, look, I mean, there are different kinds of movies for different kinds of circumstances. And that's why the list is actually divided up into three categories. The categories are religion, art, and uh, values. So three different categories and films fit into those three different places. Yes, it is fascinating in a lot of ways. Were there any that you did not know about and did not watch until you started doing this project and then you watched them and, and just like really uh, like appreciated them? Yeah, there were quite a few movies actually on the list that I had never seen and that I watched and really, really liked. Um, one that I recommend to people now is a movie called Ordet, O-R-D-E-T. And it's a movie by a Danish director named Carl Theodore Dreyer. Now, if people are getting disinterested hearing this description, I, I can assure them that uh, it is well worth the effort to watch this movie called Ordet. It is a beautiful movie about the Christian life. It's, it's set in Denmark, so the people in the movie are Lutherans, not Catholics. But it is a really beautiful, moving, and just kind of inspiring movie about about faith. So that was a that was a huge find for me. Ordet, love that one. There are some very interesting additions to this, and I just want to key in on one of them. Uh, bear in mind, this is the Vatican. This is the Pope who comes out with these are. This is the list of films that I like. And you mentioned already that one of them is Chariots of Fire. Now I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody knows anything about Chariots of Fire and the guy that it's kind of about. It's uh, Eric yeah. Little who was a missionary kid with, like, an interdenominational missionary society. He's an incredible runner. Uh, he refuses to compete on a Sunday because of his Christian faith. He goes on to do missionary work, work in China. It just strikes me, like, uh, I think he was, like, more, like, reformed maybe mm -hmm. in his like, – because he was Scottish. Uh, it, I wonder if, like, Eric Little was around in 1995, how he would feel about the Pope liking the movie based on his life. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and it's really quite an ecumenical list. And to your point, Eric Little was a yeah, he was a Scottish Presbyterian and and a very kind of strict, almost kind of puritanical Presbyterian. I mean, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't run on a Sunday, which, you know, mo most of us Catholics we know we we need to to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But um, there are lots of things we we do do on a Sunday that we don't think conflict with with keeping the Sabbath. But for Eric Little, it was anything, you know, it was just very, very strict. But yeah, the, li the list includes, um, 
You know, I mean, even the movie Gandhi is on the list, for example. You know, I mean, that that's not a movie about a Christian at all. It's about a, a faith leader from a completely different tradition. It isn't saying that we're like, you know, we're affirming the truth of Hinduism or anything like that. But we are, the Pope was able to say, even then in the 90s, like, hey, here's a movie about somebody who is really interesting and whose life might actually be edifying to Catholics, even though obviously he was not a Catholic. Well, thank you so much, Andrew Pettiprin. We've got his book, Popcorn with the Pope, from Word on Fire, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Back with headlines after this, it's 16 past. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. Mother Angelica's Guide to the Spiritual Life. EWTN founder's Mother Angelica dedicated her life to showing the love of God to the masses. This book captures her typical entertaining and uncompromising style. Mother Angelica's Guide to the Spiritual Life is one of many great Catholic Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Church leaders are stressing there has been no change in church teaching on marriage after new guidance was issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. The pastor of the only Catholic church in Gaza is mourning the two Christian women who were killed recently by Israeli snipers. And the Biden administration will be rolling out one more package of military aid for Ukraine before the end of the year. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, just a heads up, we are not going to spend a ton of time on that DDF document today. Father Philip Michael Tangora, our canon law correspondent, will be on tomorrow uh, with a little bit of space and hopefully a little calm to talk about it. But I do want to just point out one thing. Don't panic. Don't panic. Uh, but the uh, the news sources people send to me um, to say, hey, what does this mean? Uh, where's this coming from? And people are sending me headlines from uh, mainstream conservative uh, news outlets and from secular progressive news outlets. And just to just to like to peel back the curtain a little bit, um, a lot of those mainstream conservative news outlets outlets are run by um, Protestants. 
on the more tending towards like the more reformed side of the perspective. Uh, they're not even all church-going Protestants. That's coming from like the right mainstream news outlets. The left mainstream news outlets are fairly secular progressive. I don't know if you know much about fundamentalist Protestantism or secular progressivism. Neither one of them are big fans of the Catholic Church. I was going to say, both of them want you to believe the same things about Pope Francis. Neither of them also are very literate in Catholicism. So I would just say, deep breath, read a Catholic source, and actually, you can read the document itself. Yeah, I was going to say, it's readily available. And not that long. No. So let's start there. We can talk about it after that. But read it. Go to I the just source. Don't understand. I don't understand how people source. could feel so confident to comment publicly on something that they clearly did not read. Yeah. <laughs> like, and a lot of people clearly have not read it. Yeah. So go read it. Read it. No one wants to be misleaded. And Father Tangora will talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's 21 past. As you plan your end of year giving, please consider including Sacred Heart Radio. It's through your generosity that we've been able to be a voice this year for the gospel of Christ and the culture of life across seven media platforms. All gifts are tax deductible and help to share the good news of Christ in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Dayton, and beyond. To give a tax deductible donation or set up a monthly pledge, visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or use the Venmo app at Sacred Heart Radio. And thank you for your support of Sacred Heart Radio. Support is from Andiamo Artisan Bakery in Hamilton's German Village, featuring authentic Italian cookies and sweets to grace your table during the holidays. From their signature Sicilian almond paste cookies to cannoli and tiramisu, celebrate the season with the flavors of chocolate, walnut, and fig. Order in store or online at andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. That's A-N-D-I-A-M-O, andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Brandon Hodge joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of the novel, If You Can Get It, which has some Christmas scenes in it. You can find it at Ignatius Press. He's also a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you. And a couple of weeks ago, we uh, were talking about how in we are in the midst of the shortest advent possible that meaning that the fourth sunday of advent is also christmas eve now i don't want to make people all scrupulous and whatnot but 
we are going to talk about this in light of the uh, mass obligation that we have as Roman Catholics for Sunday and and Holy Days. And uh, so, first of all, Brendan, I mean, sometimes when a Holy Day falls on a Monday, um, it can get sort of, quote unquote, absorbed into the Sunday mass obligation. Is that the case with Christmas? No, that is not the case with Christmas. Um, the decision to absorb in a Holy Day obligation into a Sunday obligation is one which is made by the national bishop bishops' conferences. And although most Holy Days in the U.S. have been chosen by the U.S. bishops as Holy Days, which can be moved to the nearest Sunday so that we celebrate that um, that obligation on Sunday, the Christmas obligation is not one of those. And so Christmas, we have a obligation to go to Mass for Christmas itself, and also a separate obligation to go to Mass on Sunday, okay. even though those are currently back-to-back. -back. Okay, so the Pillar a couple of weeks ago put out a very helpful explainer on all of this. You can go to PillarCatholic.com if, uh, if you want to revisit these uh, things, but I would encourage you to get out a pen and a notebook if you're not driving and take notes right now uh, because we're going to be talking about the various combinations of masses so to speak that we can attend to fulfill the sunday obligation and the christmas holy day obligation and uh the guys over at the pillar gave them some fun names so tell us about two for two brendan so the simplest approach is uh go to sunday mass on sunday and then monday go to a Christmas morning Mass on Christmas. Um, so you're going to Mass twice for your two obligations on back-to-back -back days, and um, that uh, covers both of your obligations. All right. Now, if Christmas morning, for whatever reason, is not the best time for your family to go to Mass, or maybe you're a midnight Mass person, uh, tell us about Vigil All the Way. Exactly. So we're used to, you can normally go to a vigil mass on Saturday evening uh, to fulfill your Sunday obligation. You could, of course, do that this coming weekend. You would go to Sunday mass on Saturday evening. And then if your parish is like mine, you probably have three times as many Christmas <laughs> Eve masses as Christmas masses. Yes. And so you would then go to one of the Christmas vigil masses on Christmas Eve. So you would end up going to mass for Sunday on Saturday and for Christmas on Sunday. And... Um... I don't know. This might, I don't, I don't know if this is a good way to be thinking about it, but maybe it is. You can look at the readings ahead of time and, and choose which of the uh, vigil masses you want based on which readings you want to hear proclaimed. Um, your favorite uh, Christmas readings, I guess. Uh, go for the one with the genealogy from Matthew. That's a good one. Um, okay, now. Exactly. Not everyone knows this, but the readings for regular vigil mass for Christmas are different than the readings for midnight mass for Christmas, which are different from the Christmas morning vigil, the, the Christmas morning uh, mass readings. So you actually have three different sets of readings you could potentially hear. Yeah, absolutely, which have no bearing on your obligation, so to speak, um, which we'll get into in a second here. But let's go through these uh, couple of other options that we have. What is the long weekend? 
So you could, of course, go Saturday evening to your vigil mass, then take Sunday as a quiet day to frantically uh, get ready for Christmas, (laughs) and then go to Christmas morning mass on Christmas. So you would then be going to mass on Saturday and on Monday. Oh, interesting. Okay. That is an option that didn't actually occur to me. So uh, good to know. The long weekends, you take Sunday as a day of rest, so to speak, to frantically get ready for Christmas. Okay, now... Tell us about Super Sunday. This is uh, this is a pretty impressive choice. So this may actually end up being a choice for a lot of people in that you could simply go to your normal Sunday morning Mass and then later in the day go to Vigil Mass for Christmas. So you'd be fulfilling your Sunday obligation in the morning and your Christmas obligation in the afternoon or evening. Now, will an afternoon Mass on Christmas Eve... <laughs> fulfill the obligation that we have to attend Mass on the fourth Sunday of Advent if we also go to a Mass that's like later, like midnight or later? Yes, Uh, and in fact, it doesn't even have to be as late as midnight. So your obligation to attend Mass on Sunday or on a holy day uh, is bound by calendar time, if you will, rather than liturgical time. So if you if you wanted, you could go to a evening Christmas Eve, uh, so Christmas Vigil Mass, and then go to the, the the Christmas Midnight Mass. Both of those would actually be Christmas Masses, but the first of those you could go for your Sunday obligation, and then the second you could go for your Christmas obligation. Thank you so much, Brendan Hodge, for sorting all of that out for us. And like I said, there is a piece over at the Pillar, PillarCatholic.com. And if you click on their explainers tab, I believe, is where you will find this one about how to make sure that you go to Mass. We all want to make sure that we're going to Mass on Sunday and on Christmas, which is course one of the biggest holy days of the year for us in the roman catholic church so you can also find brendan linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news church leaders are stressing there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with a new guidance issued yesterday by the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. The Declaration Fiducia Supplicans makes a distinction between liturgical blessings and blessings associated with popular piety, the latter being available without moral perfection, thereby being open to folks who are in same-sex relationships or in unmarried heterosexual Relationships. It states that, quote, rites and prayers that could create confusion between what constitutes marriage are inadmissible. The U.S. Bishops Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. It states the church's teaching on marriage has not changed. And this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. 
Israel is facing growing pressure at home and internationally over its campaign in Gaza against Hamas. Mark Mayfield reports. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin visited Tel Aviv on Monday and said he was going to reiterate America's commitment to Israel while also pushing for the need to protect civilians from harm in the Gaza Strip. This comes after Israeli forces accidentally killed three hostages in Gaza and two women who were taking refuge in a church were also killed, sparking outrage. Meanwhile, CIA Director William Burns is meeting with Qatari and Israeli officials in Poland to talk about the hostage situation and a potential humanitarian pause. I'm Mark Mayfield. The pastor of the only Catholic church in Gaza is mourning those two Christian women who were killed by Israeli snipers. Father Gabriel Romanelli told Vatican News that the two women, a mother and daughter, were active in Holy Family Parish. He said their loss is a great sorrow. He said, quote, let us continue to pray that all this ends, this absurdity. As we have repeated so many times, a month of war, an hour of war, a minute of war only increases the number of victims and deprives people of peace of daily life, end quote. Pope Francis yesterday addressed participants in the second global refugee forum. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis said that this second meeting shows a clear commitment to resolving the plight of refugees as a shared responsibility and therefore marks a sign of hope. The Pope said he sees many positive signs in our world with countries and local communities keeping their borders and hearts open to refugees, saving lives at sea, offering solidarity in reception centers. He recalled how important cooperation is as the key solution to global problems. Choosing whether to stay in their home country or migrate to another one should be a recognized freedom, the Pope said. And ideally, everyone should have the opportunity to live a dignified life in their own country. Today, almost 114 million people are forcibly displaced, some within their own countries, due to conflicts, violence, persecution, even religious, and climate change, the Pope lamented, and our responses have yet to adequately address these complex and pressing emergencies. Sadly, he underscored, we continue to mourn the countless lives lost on land and at sea while seeking protection or fleeing from a hopeless future. And that's why it's top priority to protect and save human lives, the Pope writes. Apart from meeting immediate needs for food and shelter, efforts should strive to help refugees and migrants participate in and contribute to the societies receiving them. Recalling that refugees are persons with rights and duties, not just objects of assistance. And he said their talents and skills can be a valuable and appreciated resource for host communities. In conclusion, the Pope writes that we're at a threshold moment today where we can choose either the culture of humanity and fraternity or a culture of indifference. He encouraged all the participants at the Global Refugee Forum to seize the opportunity to reaffirm the principles of fraternity and solidarity among communities and countries. I'm Thaddeus Jones. And the late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor will be laid to rest today. Services will be at the Washington National Cathedral. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Now you can use Venmo to give to Sacred Heart Radio. Just type in at Sacred Heart Radio, all one word, to give a gift of any amount. To help broadcast God's life-giving message over our seven media platforms, use Venmo at Sacred Heart Radio. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. 
Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Tuesday, December the 19th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be pretty cold today. Right now, it's rather cold with temperatures in the lower to mid-20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 35 degrees. A few clouds and cold again tonight with an overnight low of 23. Partly cloudy and a little warmer tomorrow with a high of 46 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, partly cloudy skies today and a high of 34. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 22. Sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 45 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. Thirty-seven minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us this morning. Sunrise Morning Show legal, political, and sometimes cultural analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph, and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And we are going to get a Christmas reading recommendation from you this morning from one of the most uh, famous authors associated with Christmas, Charles Dickens. Uh, But it's not a Christmas carol as good a Christmas read as that is. You know, I have in my hands here, Ken, um, a book called The Christmas Books of Dickens. And there are quite a few uh, Christmas yes. tales in here, including the one that you are recommending this morning, The Cricket on the Hearth. Give us the plot. Yeah, so The Cricket on the Hearth is one of, uh, he wrote several Christmas stories, and, and for a period in the mid-1840s, five years in a row, he released a story right before Christmas, and those are collected in the Christmas stories. The most famous one, of course, is A Christmas Carol. Uh, the Cricket on the Hearth actually is not set at Christmas. The setting is late January, not Christmas. There's no mention of Christmas. Christmas is not a theme in the in the uh, in the uh, short story. Nonetheless, it resonates with with Christian sensibilities and the spirit of Christmas. If we think about sacrificial giving and surprises and 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 all those things, the plot is. Is, um, is a little bit complicated, so it's going to be difficult to summarize. But uh, basically, it's uh, a, a, a story of surprises, a story of unexpected uh, and, and uh, extremely um, uh, surprising plot twists that, uh, that go from seeming despair and seeming uh, complete uh, sadness 
uh, to uh, inexpressible joy. And that's not giving the story away. It actually, it, it's a Christmas story after all. But it's interesting uh, because it has so many characters and even plot twists that are so similar to A Christmas Carol. For example, if you're familiar with The Christmas Carol, you know the Cratchits, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny Tim uh, being the, the main one. Well, there are there are characters in uh, The Cricket on the Hearth that correspond very close to, to the Crackets, the, the Cratchits, rather, uh, a, a toy maker and his blind daughter. And then, of course, um, the, uh, the Fezziwigs in The Christmas Carol are this extremely lighthearted, fun-loving uh, family who throw these lavish parties for Christmas and, and they would laugh and, and have so much fun. Well, they're very similar to the Peary Bingles in The uh, Cricket on the Hearth. The Peary Bingles uh, are... I uh, love his names. <laughs> My goodness. Isn't that a great name? Yes. The Peary Bingles, yes. And uh, and, and they're, they're such a, a joyous couple. Uh, but they go through a trial in the story, a very serious trial. And they're a married couple, uh, John and, and Dot, as he calls his wife, although her name is actually Mary. And they go through they go through a crisis. And Dickens takes us through the crisis in their marriage and sees how that crisis gets resolved. But the, thing, the, what, the wonderful thing about it is that it does get resolved. And again, I'm not giving anything away by saying that, but it gets resolved in a way that involves other people and get, brings joy and happiness and satisfaction to other people. And then it has its Scrooge, a man named Tackleton, who owns said toy shop uh, that uh, that Caleb uh, works in, the toy maker, uh, in, where he lives with his blind daughter. And his blind daughter works in the toy shop, too. So you have all of these very wow. uh, uh, very similar aspects to the Christ- uh, Christmas Carol, the uh, but Scrooge set in a very character? different way. The Scrooge character owns a toy shop. Wow. Yes, yes, but he yes, but he he does. But um, but he he makes his he designs his his toys so that they have mean faces and and scowls and things like that. And Dickens says that that one of the things that he loves to make are drums and cymbals and other instruments of torture. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so many parents it sounds like a dr seuss exactly. thing, you know like the whoville uh kids there yes. with the grinch as well <laughs> so so you've told us about the characters here tell i mean one of the things as, as you're already alluding to we were just talking about how how great he is at coming up with names of characters i mean to to talk about the language that Dickens uses yeah. is is to talk about beauty. Yes, it is absolutely in all of his stories and and in all of his novels, and I think I've read almost all of them now. In all of his novels, he he very much emphasizes uh, uh, what we call anthropomorphism. That is to say, he gives human qualities to things like the wind or the rain or snow mm-hmm. uh, or or houses or doors, and he does that in this in this story too with the kettle, uh, which is the kettle that uh, Mrs. Peary Bingle uses to make tea, uh, heat water for tea and heat water for cooking heat water for all kinds of things and of course the story is set in the in, in the time that Dickens wrote it in the mid-19th century apparently so it's no all the kettle's fault so it's all the kettle's fault that's yeah. the first line of the novel it's yeah. the kettle the kettle started it and what the kettle started was a chorus a chorus that the cricket joined in that made the Perry the Perry Bingles house such a warm and welcoming place so and you can feel it and sense it the kettle steaming and gurgling the cricket chirping so he so Dickens says at one point before the kettle really uh, got its voice he says 
the kettle, quote, wouldn't hear of accommodating itself to the knobs of coal. Mm -hmm. It would lean forward with a drunken air and dribble on the hearth. It was quarrelsome and wow. hissed and spluttered morosely at the fire. The sullen and pig-headed kettle was defiant, cocking its spout pertly and mockingly at Mrs. Peerybingle as it said, I won't boil. Nothing shall induce me. Unquote. Wow. And 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 there are more of those as you go through with the the the, uh, the kettle wrestling with Mrs. Kerry Bingle to yield what she wants it to yield in a timely way. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, Ken, what this is obviously not the the story from Dickens that we associate with Christmas. And I mean, A Christmas Carol is incredible, and so it is rightfully. Um, taken the place yes. of of one of the ultimate Christmas stories, but this one I had never even heard of it. Um, so, <laughs> so can you talk about what it teaches us about the meaning of Christmas and why you would recommend that people pick this one up this Christmas? Yes, yes. So the first thing is is that you get a, a, a very rich incarnational sense of the human experience and the human predicament. Grace is communicated throughout the story by people and by the presence of people. And of course, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate grace given and presented and made present by the presence of a person who makes it possible for us people to experience and communicate grace as well. And that's exactly what happens in this story. Grace is communicated by various characters and various characters' lives are transformed by the gracious presence of gracious people. So there's a strong incarnational uh, nature to it. And we also get a, a very strong sense of the nature of grace uh, of uh, generous giving, of gratuitous, that's what I was looking for, gratuitous giving, giving that expects nothing in return, which after all is the actual spirit of giving a gift. If we give a gift and expect something in return, it's really not a gift, it's a down payment. Yeah. But in uh, The Cricket on the Hearth, we have uh, a very strong sense of the of the true gratuitousness of giving. That is, people giving of themselves, giving themselves and of themselves without the expectation of anything in return. And that's a virtue that's very difficult to develop. And its twin virtue is difficult to develop too, Annie, and that is receiving without feeling a felt need to give something in return. Mm -hmm. And that's also a theme that we uh, that emerges in the cricket on the hearth. So we have the incarnational presence of grace, we have gratuitous giving, and we have the people uh, people teaching one another and learning virtue from one another in ways that resonate with the, the, the story of Christmas. Grace coming through people at, and that grace being gratuitous gifts to people that make them better, that redeem them, uh, and that uh, lead them to lives of, of fullness of virtue. And we see conversions in this story. Uh, and, and, and again, it's giving nothing away. We see a, a radical conversion in A Christmas Carol, and we see a radical conversion in The Cricket on the Hearth. And mm -hmm. even though it's not set at Christmas, it's a perfect Christmas story for all of those reasons. And it's a story that I really encourage readers to take a half hour, 45 minutes, to take up and read because it's a heartwarming story. It's a story to read out loud around the fire at Christmas nice. time, and I, no one will be disappointed. Yeah, it's less than 70 pages in my book, and who wouldn't want to read around a fire a story that has the chapters entitled Chirp the First, Chirp the Second, and Chirp the Third, <laughs> The Cricket on the Hearth yes. by Charles Dickens. We've been talking about it with Ken Craycraft. Ken, thank you so much, and have a Merry Christmas. 
Thank you, Annie. Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year because I won't see you until 2024. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy to think about. Well, it's 13 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Mike Aquilina joins us next. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Mike Aquilina from FathersOfTheChurch.com. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So there's a lot of talk about Eucharistic revival and what that all means, and Christmas is a great opportunity to maybe invite people back uh, who have been away from church. That's an opportunity every year. But in the name Christmas itself, don't we already have something built in that points to the Eucharist? Absolutely. Christmas is the Christ's Mass. That's the etymology of the word. That's the origin of the word. It's the Christ's Mass. So anyone who refers to the holiday is kind of acknowledging the center of the holiday as as the Mass, the Holy Mass celebrating uh, the the event that, that we know from Scripture and from tradition. All right, so it goes deeper even than that. And you actually wrote an article for Angelus News where you talk about even the place where he was born points to this Eucharistic nature of the Incarnation. Yeah, well, you, you know, the, um, the church reads the Bible typologically because we believe that's how God wrote the Bible. A good author will set the stage for an event long before the event takes place. You know, the famous line, I think it was from Chekhov, that, that says that if you, uh, if you place a, a, a gun on the wall in Act 1, you'd better use it by Act 3, right? You're always setting the stage for later events. That's what an author does. And God is the author of scriptures. So we find in the New Testament that uh, the apostles read the Bible this way. They saw certain events in the Old Testament prefiguring events in the New Testament. And St. Paul does this a lot. Uh, he does it especially when he's talking about the sacraments. In uh, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he speaks of certain Old Testament foreshadowings, anticipations of the sacraments that are revealed 
by Jesus Christ, that are instituted by Jesus Christ and entrusted to the church. Uh, he, he refers to baptism and compares it to the water from the rock in the Exodus. He refers to the Eucharist, and he says that the Eucharist was foreshadowed, was prefigured by the manna that that the uh, the Israelites were given in the desert to sustain them over the journey. He says also that the, the Eucharist was prefigured by the Paschal Lamb, the Passover Lamb, that was part of the, the Passover Seder. Um, so, so this happens again and again when we're discussing the sacraments, and it happens in the Christmas story as well. And the fathers of the church noticed this. St. Cyril of Alexandria noticed this. St. John Chrysostom noticed this. They noticed many small details in the way the Gospels uh, relate the story of the nativity, and they said that these are Eucharistic types anticipating our Lord's institution of the sacrament at the Last Supper. Well, with Bethlehem, you've got some really interesting things happening. Of course, Jesus is the son of David, and that'd be a pretty cool connection in and of itself. But let's talk a little bit more about, you know, even the fact that the place where Jesus is laid is called a manger, and even yes. someone with a little bit of Italian knows mangia, right? <laughs> uh, that That's right. This means he's, he's placed in, in the place where people put food. That's right. So we have Bethlehem as the house of bread, and in Bethlehem, he's placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals among sheaves of grain, right? Uh, the animal feed that's, uh, that's, that's given to them. So we, uh, so we have in the name Bethlehem, in the fact that he's placed in a manger, and also some small details. Uh, you know, some scholars point out that, um, that St. Luke tells us there was no place for them in the inn. Now, the word that's translated as inn in Luke 2-7 is, is nothing so grand as a hotel or a motel like we're ima we, we imagine it to be. Um, kataluma means literally an upper room. Okay, that's where you had boarders stay. That's where you had, had people who were passing through. Uh, that's where you could have them stay, the upper room. And it's translated that way later on in St. Luke's Gospel when it denotes the place where Jesus instituted the Eucharist. So you have that detail as well. And many of the saints have seen other details. You know, it, in, in tradition, Mary is honored uh, as the Ark of the Covenant. As the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the, the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant held the manna that was given to the Israelites in the desert. And she holds Jesus in her womb, right? So Jesus is the bread of life. So we can see Mary as a kind of Eucharistic tabernacle. And then, well, you know, we so have... fascinating, too. I mean, if you, as you, if you start thinking about this for any amount of time, you yes. start to make all these natural connections yes. yourself. You know, Jesus will become, you know, for us, the bread of life when he institutes the Eucharist. But there's another image that Jesus uses for himself a few different times, uh, he talks about himself as the good shepherd. And how yes. interesting is it that the good shepherd is in the place where the sheep would eat the food, right? The, he puts himself <laughs> yes, yes. in the sheep's food trough. It's fascinating. And he's visited by shepherds who come in from the fields where they were keeping watch by night. And, you know, some scholars believe that the shepherds in those fields in Bethlehem, so close to Jerusalem, uh, were shepherds who raised the sacrificial lambs 
who would be sacrificed uh, at, at the Passover. So there are all of these connections with the sacrifice of the temple, uh, which foreshadowed the Eucharistic presence of Jesus. And then, you know, later on in the story, we have... Um, we have the uh, the Magi coming from the east. And what did they give Jesus? They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And where are these things used? They're used in the Catholic sacraments, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for the vessels that we, we have in, for the Eucharist, frankincense. We're using incense all over the place at my parish these days. And, and, and myrrh for anointing in in, in uh in holy orders, in the anointing of the sick and confirmation. So, so these three gifts are kind of a final uh, sacramental moment. Yeah, what is interesting to me is that I did not grow up with regular uh, observances of the Lord's Supper in my evangelical context. Uh, we still called it Christmas, right, even though there was yes. no Mass. Um, yes. And we had... The, you know, the Lord's Supper with, you know, some kind of, you know, every few weeks or months, uh, that would be the case. But when you talk about it this way, it seems impossible to talk about coming of Christ without the Mass. Yeah. Well, it's baked in there, so to speak, baked in there as with the bread of life. Uh, so so it's a it's it's a it's a natural association. It's a supernatural association. And in my opinion, and it's not just my opinion, it's the opinion of the fathers of the church. This was baked into uh, the bread of life from the beginning of creation. Well, thank you so much, Mike Aquilino. Find the link to Mike in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Another full hour coming up for many of you listening across the EWTN affiliate network. Back after this, it's 3 Till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Dr. Joseph Salot will discuss questions the National Catholic Bioethics Center gets from physicians. Steve Ray will talk about the times in Bethlehem then and now. I'll begin my reflection on the third O anaphone, O Radix Jesse, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Justin at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on 
communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings, to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. middle of the season of Advent. We are uh, actually on the Tuesday of the last week of Advent this year. It is the 19th of December. Let's pray together a prayer. In the, uh, this is actually from this morning's Magnificat. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, by your coming, you call us to reconciliation with God. Grant us a true spirit of contrition and a deep desire for conversion. Lord, by your coming, you call us to reconciliation with family and friends. Grant us the humility to seek and to bestow pardon. Lord, by your coming, you call us to reconciliation with our enemies. Grant us patience and true charity towards those who cause us frustration or wish us harm. Lord our God, you sent your prophets to call all people to abandon their unfaithful pursuits and to return with, to you with all their hearts and preparation for the day of your coming. As we prepare to celebrate your coming, recall us to the gospel and grant us true conversion through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to continue through this last full week of Advent. A lot of chaos, a lot of noise, a lot of distraction. Let's finish well. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. You can watch our video feed. Lively chats going on right now on Facebook and YouTube. You can access that video stream through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Frank Donio will be with us with some more Advent reflections from the Palatine tradition. Father Patrick Briscoe will discuss St. Patrick and Advent. You might not have made that connection before. Uh, but Steve Ray will be with us also. We're going to look at... Uh, unlikely and miraculous births in the Bible as we head towards the most miraculous birth of all at Christmas. And then Chris McGregor will look at what St. Bernard of Clairvaux had to say about Mary and her obedience and her role in the Christmas story. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Church leaders are stressing that there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with a new guidance issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. 
From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The declaration does not change the church's teaching about marriage in any way, and the blessings that are allowed do not in any way signify approval of irregular unions. In summary, the Castries Declaration explains that when two people request a blessing, even if the situation they find themselves in is irregular according to church law, it will nonetheless be possible for an ordained minister to consent to give the individuals a blessing. This gesture of pastoral closeness, however, must avoid any elements that even remotely resemble the right of blessing of marriage. The document from the Dicastery explores the theme of blessings, distinguishing between ritual and liturgical blessings on the one hand, and spontaneous ones that are more akin to signs of popular devotion on the other. It is precisely in the second category that there is now consideration of the possibility of welcoming even those who do not live according to the norms of Christian moral doctrine, but nonetheless humbly request to be blessed. You can find a link to the full text of the declaration in our coverage of the document on our website at www.vaticannews.va. I'm Christopher Wells. The U.S. Bishops' Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical or sacramental blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. The church's teaching on marriage, it says, has not changed, and this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. In other news, the United Nations Security Council will likely try again today to vote on a halt in the fighting in Gaza. Previous efforts have been vetoed by the United States as Israel continues the war against Hamas. This time, the Security Council is expected to call for a suspension of hostilities instead of an outright stop, hoping it could bring Washington on board. While the Biden administration has criticized the mounting civilian casualties in the war, it continues to argue that a full cessation of hostilities would only benefit Hamas. Meanwhile, the Biden administration will be rolling out one more package of military aid for Ukraine before the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on Monday. This comes as the administration is warning the U.S. will run out of money to provide military support to Ukraine if Congress doesn't take action. The Senate is currently negotiating a deal for additional funding and border security. Republicans say Ukraine aid will have to be paired with a deal on immigration. I'm Mark Mayfield. The late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is set to be laid to rest today. Funeral services for O'Connor will be held at Washington National Cathedral, where President Biden and Chief Justice John Roberts are scheduled to speak. She was honored at the Supreme Court yesterday, where she lied in repose inside the building's Great Hall. O'Connor was the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court. She died December 1st at the age of 93. And Icelandic authorities are asking people to stay away from an erupting volcano. The eruption sent lava jets hundreds of feet in the air and lit up the sky in the southwestern part of the country last night. It was preceded by an earthquake swarm. A nearby resort was forced to shut down because of the eruption.
Yep. Stay away from the erupting volcano, ladies and gentlemen. Well, today is Tuesday, December the 19th, and we are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's seven past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And we're continuing our mini-series, Spending Advent with St. Vincent Pilati. And today we are focusing on the theme of joy. And I think we all think we know what joy is, Father, but... When I think about that verse from St. Paul that says, you know, rejoice in the Lord always, I don't think joy is just being emotionally happy. So what exactly is it? No, and joy is something that's much more, much deeper, and really is, as St. Vincent Pilate says, holy cheerfulness is a precious fruit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit Mm. and is thus the mark of a true servant of the Lord. Holy cheerfulness, and and I, I like that holy cheerfulness. I think there he talks about joy a little a little later, which I'll, I'll mention later. But this cheerfulness is really what he's talking about. This this joy. It's not just simply here, put on a smile, and you know, and and just simply go through go through life, not recognizing that our true peace, our true joy, comes in being. A disciple of Christ, a servant of Christ. That's where true joy is. Happiness, too often people are searching for happiness, and that's really fleeting. Mm-hmm. You know? And this time of year, it, it really focuses in on that, oh, that that gift that somebody wants, or this, yep. this thing that they think is going to really make them extra happy, and, and then it goes away. Joy, true joy that comes from the Lord doesn't go away. And there's that that cheerfulness, really, what, what St. Vincent is saying is we have to radiate this, especially toward people who we, we he calls them strangers. And what he's talking about are people who may not, may not agree with us or, or may be hostile toward us or, don't, or, or really don't have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we're sour and bitter and nasty where does that show the joy of christ when i was reading this quote from saint vincent i started thinking about you know how often i lament all of this you know celebrating christmas christmas music starts on the radio stations on you know halloween and Mm -hmm. all of the the consumerism and and all the stuff that people want at Christmas. And I just started thinking, if I'm just scoffing at them or or being mean about it, I mean, what are they going to think about a Christian's experience of this season? Yes, I, I think that's very true. And so while we can you know, of course, we begin the Christmas season at Christmas and continue on, mm-hmm. and people may find us strange for doing that, but we can enter into the the joy that people uh, or the happiness that people are, and help them through our witness, something as simple as a smile. 
you know, we're, we might be out shopping or we might be out doing something and, and maybe we, we feel stressed about all these different things we need to do. Do we take that extra time with someone who maybe maybe they bumped into us or maybe there was a long line and we're, we're, we're feeling kind of off? Do we take the time to smile, to just simply give a kind word, to give a greeting to someone else? Those simple things are ways of witnessing the joy that comes from Christ and witnessing our, our lives as Christians. They don't cost anything. It's the best part. Well, maybe not the best part. I'm just kidding. But it is nice <laughs> that, it's, that it is free to give and that we should give freely as the Lord gave freely. Why don't you read this full quote for us from St. Vincent? So holy cheerfulness is a precious gift of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and is thus the mark of a true servant of the Lord. So in face, in looks, in reciprocal remarks, and in a special way towards strangers, all must radiate holy cheerfulness and joy. It must be remembered that if this characteristic is lacking, they will lead few people to God because they will not encourage many to be enthusiastic about following our Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, their example of cheerfulness and joy will help people to understand that the following of our Lord Jesus Christ is the basis of a life of true happiness. Mm. And this was in a letter. Pilate wrote this, St. Vincent Pilate wrote this to, to someone else and and really was encouraging them. I, you wonder what this yeah. person may have been like. <laughs> what I don't they know. complaining about yeah. in that letter that he was responding to? P- possibly, yes. <laughs> you know, stop stop going on and on here. This is this is how you're called to be. And he had a tendency to do that. He was a, a very much a, a spiritual director. And and this is the advice of a of a spiritual father saying, look, he, here's how you're going to draw other people to Christ. This is this just that example alone will help people understand that real happiness, true happiness can only come through life in Christ and everything else. We go, it go, really goes without saying, but that, that is what he's saying. Everything else is going to fall short. And, you know, he could have had that. He came from a merchant family. He came, you know, he could have had a very nice life, mm-hmm. St. Vincent, and chose not to. And what do people seek? And in this season, it you know, of Advent, and as we go into the Christmas season, it's important for us. It, it gives us an opportunity to stop and say, well, what, what kind of joy in Christ am I radiating to other people? Yeah. How would you encourage us to pray? I think in terms of prayer, it, it's, a, it's a matter of looking at what are the things that are weighing me down? What are the things that are are, are are that I'm holding on to that that are are going against joy? Am I angry with someone? Am I upset about something? Am I worried? Am I weighed down? Am I really trusting in the Lord? And then to ask the Lord and and to ask the intercession of the Blessed Mother to to move that away, to take that so so that. And to fill us with the joy that really only comes from Christ. Well, thank you so much, Father Frank Donio. Go get their Advent resources over at 
catholicapostolatecenter.org slash advent. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. The coastal storm, which led to flooding and power outages across the eastern seaboard, will depart the U.S., leaving behind it, with it a mix of rain and snow in the high country of West Virginia, western Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, and northern Maine. The showers should be persistent this morning, but will begin to taper off toward the evening time. On the west coast, rain showers will be following along will be falling along the coastline with some thunder possible near the California coast in the interior northwest and around the Sierra Nevada mountain range. A mix of rain and snow is expected. However, along the Washington-Oregon border, freezing rain is possible. Otherwise, expect dry weather today for the Rockies, Desert Southwest, the Plains, Great Lakes, Mississippi River Valley, and the Gulf Coast. It's quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders and Daniel Comboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world, satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available. And when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the daily mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Church leaders are stressing there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with the new guidance on blessings issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith yesterday. The United Nations Security Council will likely try again today to vote on a halt in the fighting in Gaza. And meanwhile, the pastor of the only Catholic church in Gaza is mourning the two Christian women who were recently killed by Israeli snipers. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, we've not had a much chance, uh, and here we are a few days in, to talk about the O antiphons. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you are at Mass today or if you hear Mass on the radio, you will hear during the Gospel acclamation, O root of Jesse's stem, sign of God's love for all his people, come to save us without delay. 
you'll hear something every day between now and Christmas Eve that says, oh, and then gives a title for the Lord. We started on the 17th with O Sapientia, O Wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, O Adonai, or mm-hmm. O Lord, and so on and so forth. Uh, you may recognize these lines because they're in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Emmanuel, by the way, is the last of the O Antiphons, which we hear on December 23rd. And it turns into a little backwards acrostic. Yes, it does. So if you go um, backwards uh, with the last one, E. Emmanuel, the second to last one, Rex Gentium, King of the Nations, and so on and so forth, it spells arrow cross. Arrow cross, which in Latin means, I think, tomorrow Tomorrow I I will be. Yeah. Or tomorrow I come. Tomorrow I will come. Or I think it's tomorrow. I can't. So this is what happens when we try the Latin. But somebody can tell us what it exactly, like, literally means. We basically... Essentially, the code tells you. Well, you're right. Ero, eros, erot is the being verb. Yes, it's I, a state of being verb. Yeah. Ero is the first Eramus, person singular. Er, oh, that eratis. Now you're the first person plural. Erotis. I know. I was trying to conjugate it. Ero, eros, erot. Yes. Eramus, eratis. Erot. Oh. Mrs. Borish is going to be so disappointed in me that I can't mm. remember the third person plural ending. I don't start with ero. I start with amo amas amat. Amamos. Which is? Amatis. Amate. To love. It's an E at the end, I think. This is the time that the Sunrise Morning Show tried to do Latin on the fly and were exposed. You know, there are a lot of people so who would not be humble enough who would not be humble enough to let you know that they don't know Latin very well. But here on the Sunrise Morning Show, we're not afraid to let you know we don't know our Latin I'm very well. I'm sorry, Mrs. It's Borish. been a long time. I'm sorry, Mrs. Borish. Oh, Annie, which is not an antiphon. As we come to the end of another year, would you consider a special gift to Sacred Heart Radio? Your gifts enable us to be a light shining in the darkness to proclaim the good news that Christ has come and that Christ will come again. We'd be so grateful for any amount you can give, and it's tax deductible. Visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Use the Venmo app at Sacred Heart Radio or just send in the envelope included with the Christmas newsletter. Thank you so much, and may God bless you and yours in this Christmas season. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree to sterling silver medals, rosary, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique 
is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Swain, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe, and he is with our Sunday visitors, tons of great resources over there, and he's written a piece on praying with St. Patrick at the manger. Father Patrick, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. How are you? Aren't we supposed to wait a few months before we start talking about St. Patrick? It's interesting to me for a number of reasons, and uh, one of them you point out right at the beginning, that uh, Patrick and his connection to the manger starts with the fact that I mean, St. Patrick was a shepherd, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was thinking about praying about. We're starting to see nativity scenes set up. Maybe you've already got one up in your home. Um, there, you know, we're starting to see them out in front of our churches as our preparations for Christmas continue. And so I was just sort of thinking about the different figures of the nativity, and the shepherds are the are the ones that kind of caught my mind, caught my heart uh, as I was as I was. Uh, preparing uh, for, for some for some of my Christmas writing, and I realized in, in chatting about it with a friend um, that it was an Im- important moment to think about a different shepherd, um, you know, St. Patrick, who, of course, had his encounter with God. It was not too dissimilar from the shepherds of the gospel who encountered the Christ child, and so that's why I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to begin to think about uh, maybe St. Patrick's breastplate, his prayer in a, in a different light. Well, uh, I, we can get to the breastplate in a minute, because that's uh, once I started thinking about that, after I saw your piece, I was like, man, there's a lot in here you can connect to Christmas. But I also think about uh, Patrick and his evangelization of a pagan culture. I mean, what must it have been like for him to talk to these people who worshipped in a lot of ways like nature or the sun to say, no, God is a person. He's a person. He was Jesus is actually born right into a human body. Like what an what a wild thing it must have been for him to try and explain this to a culture who had only known paganism and nature worship. Yeah, I think that's right. And and we're seeing we're seeing that more and more even in our own day as more and more of our contemporaries uh, are just just raised in something foreign from Christianity or or a version of Christianity where they don't where they don't really meet the Lord, where they don't know Jesus as a person. So I, so I think uh, you know, as as you say, Patrick's experience was was pretty radical in in the work that he was called to do to convert Ireland. Um, but it's increasingly not dissimilar from the work that we're called to do in the, in the world around us, as as more and more uh, more and more of our contemporaries don't actually understand who Jesus was or or really have any knowledge of him. Well, it's interesting. Now I want to get to the breastplate because there are people who know pieces and chunks of the breastplate, but when you read it as, as a whole, it's uh, there's a lot of Trinitarian stuff in it. A lot of uh, I mean, St. Patrick is known for this um, advocacy of 
the Trinity, uh, trying to explain the Trinity. And, uh, I mean, you can't explain the Trinity without saying that the Word became flesh and (laughs) dwelt among us. I mean, Christmas is an essential part of this question. But as you were going through the breastplate of St. Patrick, what were some of the lines that you you really focused on to to think about this idea of how St. Patrick must have thought about, you know, the Lord being born in Bethlehem? Yeah, and and uh, I think I'd I'd just follow follow that up and say not just St. Patrick, but how we can think about it too, right? When we're when we're when we're there at the crib, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is such an all-consuming event that it it just just takes over the horizon of history and changes everything around us. And so I I love this idea that that Patrick's prayer. Um, can be can be backed up or, or located at this moment of of the nativity at this moment where Jesus is really born where Christ just becomes our all where where Christ is all around us where he's before us behind us where he's beneath us where he's above us and so so taking those words of St. Patrick uh, Christ before me Christ beneath me Christ under me Christ behind me and um, to to understand how final how grand uh, how how all-consuming, all how total the, the, the moment of the nativity of Jesus is. Well, we think about the hymn that uh, everybody sort of defaults to for the first four Sundays of Advent because you can't really do Christmas songs yet, and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? And what does Emmanuel mean but God with us? And what communicates God with us better than saying Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me on my right? In the heart of every man who thinks of me, in the mouth of everyone who speaks with me, I mean that is God with us. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and I, I think that, uh, I think that part of what St. Patrick's experience uh, would have been as a shepherd would have been to know how consoling that presence is. I mean, but a huge part of being a shepherd is being lonely, right, and tending to the flocks and having to face uh, all, all the trials of nature. And I think that I think that many of those themes um, are still, especially germane. Uh, think about how many people are going to be lonely as Christmas approaches. How many people are really at risk? Uh, thinking of the Christians in the Holy Land, especially that are really they're really subject to powers far, far, far beyond uh, their own their own strength. And there's a way there's a way that that just givenness to God um, that that St. Patrick and the other shepherds had. Um, needs to be needs to be appreciated and imitated by us all. Well, you, we've got your uh, piece. It's called "Praying with St. Patrick at the Manger." It's at our Sunday Visitor, and you can find it through sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Father Briscoe, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me on, Mac. God bless. All right, and check out not just Father Briscoe and our Sunday Visitor, but all the guests that we talk to on a daily basis. Uh, we talk to people from all over the planet, actually. Uh, and all over the country, certainly. And they have some great resources and books and thoughts, ways to get your perspective back on track. Uh, there's a lot of distraction. The devil would want nothing more than for you to be distracted and angry and frustrated and lonely and sad and irritable right now. But let's finish Advent strong. You can use uh, some of the people we talk to to help you out. Find them at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Church leaders are stressing there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with a new guidance issued yesterday by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular 
relationships. The Declaration Fiducia Supplicans makes a distinction between liturgical blessings and blessings associated with popular piety, the latter being available without moral perfection, thereby being open to folks who are in same-sex relationships or in unmarried heterosexual relationships. It states that, quote, rites and prayers that could create confusion between what constitutes marriage are inadmissible. The U.S. Bishops Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. It states the church's teaching on marriage has not changed. And this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. Israel is facing growing pressure at home and internationally over its campaign in Gaza against Hamas. Mark Mayfield reports. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin visited Tel Aviv on Monday and said he was going to reiterate America's commitment to Israel while also pushing for the need to protect civilians from harm in the Gaza Strip. This comes after Israeli forces accidentally killed three hostages in Gaza and two women who were taking refuge in a church were also killed, sparking outrage. Meanwhile, CIA Director William Burns is meeting with Qatari and Israeli officials in Poland to talk about the hostage situation and a potential humanitarian pause. I'm Mark Mayfield. The pastor of the only Catholic church in Gaza is mourning those two Christian women who were killed by Israeli snipers. Father Gabriel Romanelli told Vatican News that the two women, a mother and daughter, were active in Holy Family Parish. He said their loss is a great sorrow. He said, quote, let us continue to pray that all this ends, this absurdity. As we have repeated so many times, a month of war, an hour of war, a minute of war only increases the number of victims and deprives people of peace of daily life, end quote. Pope Francis yesterday addressed participants in the second global refugee forum. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis said that this second meeting shows a clear commitment to resolving the plight of refugees as a shared responsibility and therefore marks a sign of hope. The Pope said he sees many positive signs in our world with countries and local communities keeping their borders and hearts open to refugees, saving lives at sea, offering solidarity in reception centers. He recalled how important cooperation is as the key solution to global problems. Choosing whether to stay in their home country or migrate to another one should be a recognized freedom, the Pope said. And ideally, everyone should have the opportunity to live a dignified life in their own country. Today, almost 114 million people are forcibly displaced, some within their own countries, due to conflicts, violence, persecution, even religious, and climate change, the Pope lamented, and our responses have yet to adequately address these complex and pressing emergencies. Sadly, he underscored, we continue to mourn the countless lives lost on land and at sea while seeking protection or fleeing from a hopeless future. And that's why it's top priority to protect and save human lives, the Pope writes. Apart from meeting immediate needs for food and shelter, efforts should strive to help refugees and migrants participate in and contribute to the societies receiving them. Recalling that refugees are persons with rights and duties, not just objects of assistance. And he said their talents and skills can be a valuable and appreciated resource for host communities. 
In conclusion, the Pope writes that we're at a threshold moment today where we can choose either the culture of humanity and fraternity or a culture of indifference. He encouraged all the participants at the Global Refugee Forum to seize the opportunity to reaffirm the principles of fraternity and solidarity among communities and countries. I'm Thaddeus Jones. And the late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor will be laid to rest today. Services will be at the Washington National Cathedral. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com skpha.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Tuesday, December the 19th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be pretty cold today. Right now, it's rather cold with temperatures in the lower to mid-20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 35 degrees. A few clouds and cold again tonight with an overnight low of 23 partly cloudy and a little warmer tomorrow with a high of 46 degrees for the miami valley dayton area partly cloudy skies today and a high of 34 partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 22 sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 45 degrees this is sacred heart catholic radio 7 40 a.m 9 10 a.m download our app at sacredheartradio.com Christmas like it's normal because most of us have known about it all our lives. And it's easy to forget just what an extraordinary thing it is for the Word to become flesh and dwell among us and for Him to be born of a virgin. These are wild, wild things (laughs) and claims of the church uh, that we say in the creeds all the time. And so we got to talk about Immaculate Conception, Miraculous Births in the Bible. Steve Ray from Catholic Convert dot com now here to discuss those steve good morning good morning matt and since this is december which is the month of the immaculate conception i thought this would be a good topic because we have not only her immaculate conception mary's but also the virgin birth of jesus some pretty miraculous births two uh, articles of faith right for us as catholics and, and one of those the virgin birth all protestants would pretty much agree on with us with the exception of like a few on kind of the the progressive fringes, but, you know, we don't see the words immaculate conception in the Bible. Any good Baptist would point that out to us, but uh, is there this idea in there? 
It is. We could also say to the Protestant, the good Baptist, that the word Trinity is not used in the Bible, and yet that is part of their foundational dogmas as well. So there's a lot of things that are in the Bible that aren't necessarily stated specifically, but it's there. And this whole idea of the Immaculate Conception, especially if you understand typology of Old and New Testament together, it's pretty clear because we have another woman who was immaculately conceived, and people, are, their ears pick up with that. What other woman was immaculate? conceived. Well, I would contend that Eve was conceived without sin, and she is the mother of the first mother of all the living, it says in Genesis. So Eve was made by God without sin. She was an immaculate conception. He conceived of her in his mind and made her. And, um, and Mary becomes the new Eve. Eve started the first humanity. Mary is now bringing about a new humanity with her son, and that is the second Mary also has to be like the first Eve, and she's immaculately conceived as well. There's a great line in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's when they're unpacking the four marks, unpacking the word that means Catholic, right? That when we say one holy Catholic and apostolic <laughs> church, but in the section on Catholic, it says that the church is the world reconciled, right? So <laughs> if the whole world, if all humanity had kind of like this one sort of mother that started everything in motion, then the church, the world reconciled, has this sort of maternal presence at the beginning of it as well. Absolutely. In the book of Revelation, it shows Mary in heaven, and it says, and the devil went out to do war against the rest of her children. Well, who are the rest of Mary's children? It's us, of course, the church. All right. So this is something that, uh, like, like I say, when you were a Baptist, you might have had trouble with this, but this was not something that the church fathers had trouble with. I think of Irenaeus. I think of Justin Martyr. There are a few of them who talk about this. Yeah, also, yes, absolutely. Origen did as well. The, the way Justin Martyr says it is a very, I love it, it's very succinct. Thus, the knot of Eve's disobedience, like in a rope, a knot that's been tied, was loosed by the obedience of Mary. What the Virgin Eve had bound in unbelief, the Virgin Mary loosed through faith. That's pretty clear. <laughs> Yes, indeed. All right, now we got to get into a word that I've never been able to pronounce properly. Uh, but it is interesting that when angels appear to just about everybody in the Bible, they say, hey, Daniel, or hey, Joseph, or, you know, hello right, to right. these people in the Bible. But when Gabriel appears to Mary, he doesn't say, even though we say it in the rosary all the time, he doesn't say, hail Mary. He says, hail something else. How does that help us understand this? Well, the, the Greek word is kahadetomeni. I think that's pronounced correctly. And that is a word which means it's a present participle in the Greek. And I don't want to lose people, but it just means this. It has a past part and a present. It means one who has been made full of grace in the past and who remains in that state to this day. Hail kahadetomeni, the angel said. And John Paul II said that is Mary's name in the eyes of God. When he looks down and sees her, he says, there's my kahare tomini, the one that I made full of grace in the past and who remains in that state today. In other words, the Immaculate Conception. In Latin, it's called gratia plena, which means full of the life of God, full of grace. So we see right there in that name that the angel proclaims of Mary, that title, already we see the, the foundation for the Immaculate Conception. All right, so I would love to talk more about the Immaculate Conception. There's plenty to say about it uh, and plenty of objections that people might have, but that one title really helps to 
to get us thinking about it differently. Um, but I want to talk about some other miraculous births in the Bible because there are people who object not just to the Immaculate Conception, but the idea of the virgin birth at all, right? People who uh, right. are perhaps non-Christians or people who are of a more kind of like a progressive theological stripe. But we got a, a Bible full of miraculous births, don't we? We do. In fact, the main one that we see is with someone, a woman who is older, who is called barren, and she has children beyond childbearing years. That's one of the main ones that we see. The other one um, is the Immaculate Conception, of course, and then parents, bo uh, children born, especially beyond bar uh, the barren years. Well, I think of them, we've got a list of them. I'll just run through a few. Sarah who is in the very beginning part of Genesis chapter 12, who couldn't give birth. And she ended up giving birth to Isaac, which means laughter. In fact, she called him that because she laughed. Can you believe I'm 90 years old and giving birth to a son? And she laughed and gave the name Isaac, which means laughter. And then Rachel, her granddaughter, also was the wife of Jacob. She was barren. And it says she got, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And then she had Joseph and Benjamin eventually. Uh, mother of Samson as well. And in fact, that with mother of Samson, it's very interesting because he almost uses the exact words he does with Mary. And it says, the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And his name was Samuel. I mean, Samson. So, What's interesting about this is this – some of our listeners are heading to Mass today, uh, or we'll hear it on the radio. And guess what the first reading is from Mass today? It's Judges chapter 13. It's the Annunciation to <laughs> Samson's mom. Uh, and and she, same she goes words. and says, yeah, uh, a man of yeah. God came to me. He had the appearance of an angel of God, terrible indeed. I didn't ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, you will be with child and bear a son, and she goes on. What's fascinating is that we don't get the rest of Samson's story, but the church has decided that here on the Tuesday of the third week of Advent, uh, we need to hear about a miraculous birth, an annunciation of a completely improbable situation where a child was born so that we can better understand what happens at Christmas. Exactly. That's why the Old and the New Testaments fit together so well. You can't have the new without the old. And they really, they, they like your fingers intertwining. You can't understand one without the other. Just to mention a couple others, Hannah, who was the mother of the prophet Samuel. In fact, the mother of Mary is named Anne, Anna, which comes from the Old Testament name Hannah. And when Hannah had her miraculous baby, beyond child years, named him Samuel. She sang the Magnificat of the Old Testament. When Mary became pregnant, she sang the Magnificat of the New Testament, which is very much like Hannah's. And we also have Elizabeth giving birth to John the Baptist, knowing that they were very old and couldn't have children. So then we've got a whole bunch of them right there, some in the old and some in the new. It's something that we believe because it says nothing is impossible with God. He's able to do miraculous things, and he does. I love that quote. I'm just going to go back to it one more time. Thus the knot of Eve's disobedience was loosed by the obedience of Mary. What the virgin Eve had bound in unbelief, the virgin Mary loosed through faith. And there's a wonderful devotion to Our Lady, undoer of knots, that has endured through the centuries. There's wonderful paintings and icons that show her undoing things. Steve, I don't know about you, though. Uh, there is one particular scenario in which I pray to Our Lady, of undoer of knots most often. You know what it is? No. When I take my son fishing, just, oh, uh, just, I, it just keeps me very the, busy. Uh, very busy. Yes. Every other well, cast. Uh, 
Our Mary Endure of, of Nazis. It, my, that's my wife's favorite devotion. We have that picture everywhere in our house. Well, next time you take your small army of grandchildren fishing, remember Our Lady Endure of Nazis. <laughs> when you get into that tackle box and someone says, Grandpa, I'm hung on a tree again, you just remember that. <laughs> I will. And then those those narrow, those skinny little uh, wires always get tangled up, too, those fishing lines. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Well, I'm not going to speak <laughs> to you between now and then, but have a Merry Christmas, Steve, you and your family, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Thank you, Matt. God bless you, too. All right. 14 till. We're going to talk about St. Bernard and Our Lady with Chris McGregor next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What a great grace it is to have the opportunity to use the airwaves for the honor and glory of God, to be able to talk to the hearts of individuals and meet them where they are in their relationship with our Lord, and also to encourage them forward. Women of Grace with Johnette Williams. This morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Tuesday of the third week of Advent. O Root of Jesse is our O Antiphon for the day. Chris McGregor now joining us from DiscerningHearts.com. It's a great place to dive into the Office of Readings and Reflections from the Greatest Minds in the History of the Church. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Matt. It's so good to be with you. I, Annie steals all your interviews, you know. She steals all <laughs> the, We fight over who we get to talk to around here. Uh I'm so glad to talk to you about St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He's a wonderful person to talk to uh, talk about uh, as we head towards Christmas. Before we get into the piece that we're going to look at today, I wonder if you could give us a flavor of, like, what is the style of Bernard so we can sort of understand what we're hearing? Well, he's the the great Benedictine, of course, the, the, a Capuchin who absolutely devoured, if I could say that, the Word of God. And his love for the Blessed Virgin Mary 
is, uh, it, well, of course, many of us recite the memorari, and that comes from the heart, the experience of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So very when mystical. we... He's yeah he he has a lot of layers he preaches lots of sermons on the song of songs <laughs> he's just a he's looking at things from kind of like a higher angle than a lot of us look at them I don't know, man. I bet you do, too. I bet you're up uh, there on that angle I'm a little bit I'm a couple of rungs below Bernard de Clairvaux that's for sure, but I want to dig into this one and and hear your thoughts because I think one of the hardest things about advent is that we have to pretend that the most important thing that has ever happened in human history hasn't happened yet, right? We have to get ourselves back in this headspace where we're anxiously anticipating something that has really already happened. But how does uh, St. Bernard, by looking at the Annunciation, really help us get back in that headspace of what it must have been like for the whole of creation to be awaiting salvation? Well, this is an incredible reflection by Bernard on Mary's fiat, right? And you're a good son of Latin, and you know that fiat, of course, means more than just a yes. What she's saying is, let it be done. Let it be done unto me. And that's the type of fiat that all of us are called to every single day, even little Therese, right? She she would say, it's all in the little yeses. And sometimes those yeses can be very intimidating, Sometimes saying uh, fiat, let it be done, will we know might lead us into suffering, into a mystery we don't understand. All these things are contained in this special moment in salvation history. There are those, those times, of course, that climaxes in this incredible fiat of our Lord when he's in the, in the agony of the garden where he says, let it be done. Uh, your will, Father. And yet Mary here is that precursor of salvation history. And he is recounting to us in this office of readings, in this this wonderful reflection, Matt, that you know that it's not it's not just the dicastery in Rome reading this, or even priests right now entering into this liturgy, but it's nuns in Australia. It's it's uh uh, brothers and monks and so much of the church all around the world that are in this great reflective time of prayer and anticipating the the great yes that needs to happen every day, right? Yeah, I mean, I love how he puts this in this reading. Uh, again, this is from a sermon of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. As everybody, it's like all of salvation history is on edge, waiting for Mary to say, be it done to me according to your word. Uh, Bernard writes, tearful Adam with his sorrowing family begs this of you, a loving virgin, in their exile from paradise. Abraham begs it. David begs it. All the other holy patriarchs, your ancestors, ask it of you as they dwell in the country of the shadow of death. This is what the whole earth waits for, prostrate at your feet. You can just sort of hear all of salvation history on edge waiting for her to say yes and then sort of like erupting when it happens just like when i mean you're you're in nebraska you know and you've never mm-hmm. seen a football stadium erupt after a field goal a game winning <laughs> field goal like you would probably hear all of salvation history erupting when she says yes it gets pretty loud these days when those things happen. That's true. <laughs> but no you're absolutely right. I mean this is you know I was just thinking we we have these uh, wonderful presidents on the sides of mountains with their heads, and yet what they did does nothing to compare to what this this young girl, in in her remarkable uh, prudence, her discernment in that moment, 
to say, yes, I, re- I will receive this. And she, he's absolutely right when you, I'm glad you picked out that line, as they dwell in the country of the shadow of death. You know, we, we forget sometimes that when the, all of those patriarchs, so prior to this moment, but prior to, to the great, again, leading us to Easter, that where did they dwell, those who had died? Even St. Joseph. And the church has always taught that this, this realm of the dead, and they're just waiting in eager anticipation. And But it all depends on her will to say yes. Believe, and she does. Give praise, and receive, St. Bernard says. Let humility be bold. Let modesty be confident. <laughs> you know, it's we're cheering on uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I mean, this is the most shocking part of it all. Like, why would God even involve us? <laughs> like, why yeah. would he even say, I'm willing to save you, but one of you is going to have to say yes. One yeah, of you is going it- to have to agree to this. Yeah, the one who is the word, you know, the the thing that one of the things that really jumped out to me, that repetition of the, you know, the word of God, he's waiting to come and dwell in her, but also in us. Because there are all those moments, even in our baptism, as you know, once we say yes, we're ontologically changed, we're, we become um in a very real way, the presence of Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Not unlike what, not, it's not exactly like, but what happens with the Virgin, she's the first to say yes. And it changes all other yeses from that point forward. Everything else changes, doesn't it, Matt? It does. Well, and this is why she is what the catechism calls the eschatological icon of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our goal? Is for Christ to live inside of me, right? And for me to bear him forth to the world. Well, it turns out there's somebody that literally happened to. Yeah. Who Christ literally lived in and who bore him out to the world. That'd be, that'd be Our Lady. Turns oh, out it actually happened. Her. Yes. Yeah. And that's why we reverence her and we love her. And she said yes, because all of our yeses are contained within her. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, Chris McGregor, I encourage people to go check out discerninghearts.com. Find more great riches from the history. 2,000 years of good stuff, and we've only scratched the surface. Have a good one, Chris. We'll see you in the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, my friend. All right. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show here on a Tuesday morning. But we are back again tomorrow with more great Advent reflections to get you down the stretch as we head into Christmas this weekend. I'm Matt Swain. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. Tim Maley here, General Manager at Shock Tile and Carpet. Shock is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio and local food pantries. A portion of every retail sale will help feed those in need. Or drop items off at our newly remodeled showroom and we will deliver. Family owned and operated since 1928, Shock hopes this season is filled with many blessings to you and yours. Residential, commercial, new home construction, 513-922-3466 or shocktile.com. That's S-C-H-O-C-H-Tile.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life. 
while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, featuring Mystic Monk Coffee and fantastic seasonal flavors like Jingle Bell Java, Christmas Blend, and Candy Cane. 40 North Main in Miamisburg and online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support is from Andiamo Artisan Bakery in Hamilton's German Village, featuring authentic Italian cookies and sweets to grace your table during the holidays. From their signature Sicilian almond paste cookies to cannoli and tiramisu, celebrate the season with the flavors of chocolate, walnut, and fig. Order in store or online at andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. That's A-N-D-I-A-M-O, andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. This is Father Benedict Hokensla, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Tuesday, the 19th of December. I know a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. A lot of people who have illness or chaos or frustration and loneliness in their world. Let's pray for help from Jesus in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, in every need, let me come to you with humble trust, saying, Jesus, help me. In all my doubts, perplexities, and temptations, Jesus, help me. In hours of loneliness, weariness, and trials, Jesus, help me. In the failure of my plans and hopes, in disappointments, troubles, and sorrows, Jesus, help me. When others fail me, and your grace alone can assist me, Jesus, help me. When I throw myself on your tender love as a father and a savior, Jesus, help me. When my heart is cast down by failure at seeing no good come from my efforts, Jesus, help me. When I feel impatient and my cross irritates me, Jesus, help me. Always in spite of weakness, falls, and shortcomings of every kind, Jesus, help me and never forsake me. Amen. Every time I pray that prayer, somebody emails me and says, hey, can, where can I find the text of that prayer you prayed? <laughs> I feel like we can all relate to that one. Uh, you can very easily find that prayer. I put it in the show notes today at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. I'm Matt Swaim. we got news from Anna Mitchell coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, also, Paul Lockman will have a look at sports. We'll check in with Kevin Schmeising for a look at this week in Catholic history. Check in with Jared Stout as well. Dr. Stout always has uh, deep stuff 
to discuss with us. A new lauds him with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. We'll discuss that with him and get into the book of Ecclesiastes. Man, we are chugging along in our series with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow on the Ascension Press Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. So you will want to stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Church leaders are stressing that there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with a new guidance issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The declaration does not change the church's teaching about marriage in any way, and the blessings that are allowed do not in any way signify approval of irregular unions. In summary, the Castries Declaration explains that when two people request a blessing, even if the situation that they find themselves in is irregular according to church law, it will nonetheless be possible for an ordained minister to consent to give the individuals a blessing. This gesture of pastoral closeness, however, must avoid any elements that even remotely resemble the right of blessing of marriage. The document from the Dicastery explores the theme of blessings, distinguishing between ritual and liturgical blessings on the one hand, and spontaneous ones that are more akin to signs of popular devotion on the other. It is precisely in the second category that there is now consideration of the possibility of welcoming even those who do not live according to the norms of Christian moral doctrine, but nonetheless humbly request to be blessed. You can find a link to the full text of the declaration in our coverage of the document on our website at www.vaticannews.va. I'm Christopher Wells. The U.S. Bishops' Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical or sacramental blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. The church's teaching on marriage, it says, has not changed, and this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. In other news, the United Nations Security Council will likely try again today to vote on a halt in the fighting in Gaza. Previous efforts have been vetoed by the United States as Israel continues the war against Hamas. This time, the Security Council is expected to call for a suspension of hostilities instead of an outright stop, hoping it could bring Washington on board. While the Biden administration has criticized the mounting civilian casualties in the war, it continues to argue that a full cessation of hostilities would only benefit Hamas. Meanwhile, the Biden administration will be rolling out one more package of military aid for Ukraine before the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on Monday. This comes as the administration is warning the U.S. will run out of money to provide military support to Ukraine if Congress doesn't take action. The Senate is currently negotiating a deal for additional funding and border security. Republicans say Ukraine aid will have to be paired with a deal on immigration. I'm Mark Mayfield. The late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is set to be laid to rest today. 
Funeral services for O'Connor will be held at Washington National Cathedral, where President Biden and Chief Justice John Roberts are scheduled to speak. She was honored at the Supreme Court yesterday, where she lied in repose inside the building's Great Hall. O'Connor was the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court. She died December 1st at the age of 93. And Icelandic authorities are asking people to stay away from an erupting volcano. The eruption sent lava jets hundreds of feet in the air and lit up the sky in the southwestern part of the country last night. It was preceded by an earthquake swarm. A nearby resort was forced to shut down because of the eruption. That's the news. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. And uh, checking in on the sports world, how about Monday Night Football last night? Saw the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Philadelphia Eagles in an upset 20-17 to last night. Seahawks now sit in third place in the NFC West at 7-7. Seven while the Eagles have lost three in a row and sit at 10 and four, the once dominant Philadelphia Eagles now 10 and four and having to look behind their shoulders behind the uh, with the charging Dallas Cowboys. How about this Steelers making a uh, desperate change at quarterback head coach Mike Tomlin announced yesterday Mason Rudolph just in time for Christmas will be the uh, starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Bengals. Tomlin didn't rule out Kenny Pickett as uh, as a uh, maybe game-time starter. He didn't rule him out as he is recovering from tightrope surgery. Don't exactly know what that is. Either way, Steelers come in 7-7. Bengals winner at 8-6. Also uh, around the league action, Ravens uh, are going to be without Keaton Mitchell running back. He had a full tear of his ACL. Never want to hear that. Unfortunate uh, for the Ravens, who are 11-3 and and will face the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football in Week 16. I'm already looking forward to that game. All right, let's get to uh, traffic now. And uh, traffic on a Tuesday, a service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. And as I look at the traffic map, I see there's an accident right uh, eastbound 275, right at the bridge as you're heading over from the Kentucky side over toward the Ohio side of the river. Ohio, nothing going on as far as uh, major delays. Southbound 75 in northern Kentucky, 7175 by Buttermilk. There's some police activity on the shoulder. Northbound 7175, just Donaldson headed toward the downtown area. May have you a bit slow, Dayton area moving uh well so uh, not a whole lot to uh talk about traffic wise looking at weather now i'll turn it over to matt swain matt Thank what's you. the weather what, Thank what you, are we Paul Lachman. no problem well i know who weather is a service from at the very least it's schneller knuckleman plumbing heating and air online at skpha.com that's skpha.com cold today temps in the low 30s right now tonight it's going to get uh chilly Actually, chillier. A high of 35 today, down to 23 tonight. For your Wednesday, partly cloudy. Seasonal temps in Cincinnati, a high of 46. In the Miami Valley and Dayton, today you got partly cloudy skies, a high of 34. Tonight, partly uh, cloudy uh, skies in Dayton as well, a low around 22. Tomorrow, looking at a high of 45 under sunny skies. It is nine minutes past the hour. 
It's time for our weekly look at This Week in Catholic History here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising, back with us for it. He's author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Anna. Good morning. It is good to have you back. And we head to 1046 and a pope abdicating? I only thought that happened like twice in history. <laughs> it's happened a, a few times, yeah, Annie. This is one of those stories we've covered many over the years from a more chaotic period in papal elections. <laughs> what set the stage was the election of Benedict the Ninth in 1032. He was the nephew of two predecessors, Benedict the Eighth and John the Nineteenth. So this could be seen as literally nepotism. But worse mm. than that, it appears that his election was secured through bribery perpetrated by his father. So at 20 years old, Benedict was, in the words of the Catholic Encyclopedia, a youthful libertine and a huh. disgrace to the chair of Peter. Wow. <laughs> How would you like that to be your legacy? <clears throat> Benedict's unpopularity and rank unsuitability led to his exile from Rome. An anti-pope was put in his place. Then Benedict returned for a while, but finally he decided he wanted to marry and so willingly resigned the papacy, which, as we know, permits a legitimate succession. The man to take his place was John Gratian, known to be a devout and responsible bishop. He became Pope Gregory VI. And with the assistance of his aide Hildebrand, the future great reforming Pope Gregory VII, Gregory VI began working to clean up the church in Rome. But then further complications. The fickle Benedict IX decided he liked the papacy after all, so he tried to depose Gregory. The antipope Sylvester was also still in the picture, so the Council of Sutri was called to sort things out. The claims of Benedict and Sylvester were declared invalid, but there was also an issue with Gregory. As part of the agreement, when he took Benedict's place, he paid a sum of money to compensate the preceding pope for expenses. Gregory did so with good intentions, to be rid of a terrible pope, and he didn't see it as simony, which is the purchasing of an ecclesiastical office. But the bishops at Sutri judged it otherwise. They urged Gregory to resign. He did so, willingly. It was December 20th this week in 1046. The new Pope, Clement II, was elected. This makes me so grateful. I thought that 2013 felt chaotic when Benedict XVI abdicated the papacy. But man, it could have been so much more chaotic, as uh, you're clearly indicating here in 1046. Now, uh, let's go to... Uh, 1843 and some American Catholic history to share with us this morning. Yeah, there's actually a historical marker in Pittsburgh to commemorate the location and date of this event this week in 1843 when the Sisters of Mercy established their first convent in the United States. Venerable Catherine McCauley founded the Sisters of Mercy in Dublin in Ireland in 1831 after she and collaborators opened what they called a House of Mercy to take in, care for, and educate women and children in need. By the time of her death in 1841, the sisters had spread across Ireland. Two years later, they began to spread around the world. As regular listeners know, there was a lot of Irish immigration to the U.S. in the first half of the 19th century, and also great demand in the growing American church for priests and religious sisters. Mother Frances Xavier Ward, one of the founding group of Sisters of Mercy, traveled to the U.S. with six companions. They arrived in Pittsburgh this week, December 21st, 1843, and according to the records, immediately began their apostolate of assisting the city's poor and sick. The congregation expanded rapidly here in the U.S. Within 20 years, there were convents, schools, and hospitals in San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, St. Louis, New Orleans, and elsewhere. They were prominent, 
prominent among the many Catholic sisters who served as nurses during the Civil War. In fact, among non-Catholics, Sister of Mercy became kind of a catch-all term for a nursing sister. Hmm. Today, the Sisters of Mercy remain the largest order in the U.S. with more than 2,000 sisters, and they remain involved in education and health care, as evidenced by the many schools and hospitals with mercy in their titles. They got their start in this country this week in 1843. Well, a big happy anniversary to the Sisters of Mercy and to anyone working in healthcare, particularly in the Mercy Hospital system, founded this week in 1843. We've been talking to our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com alongside his podcast, the Catholic History Trek podcast. Kevin, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. You too, Anna. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Anna and Kevin. We got traffic and weather coming up after the break. It's a quarter past the hour. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Dr. Joseph Salot will discuss questions the National Catholic Bioethics Center gets from physicians. Steve Ray will talk about the times in Bethlehem then and now. I'll begin my reflection on the third O Anaphone, O Radex Jesse, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Traffic is a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. You know, I do traffic in the afternoon for driving home the faith. I wish it was this nice. Eastbound 275, there's just an accident at the uh, bridge as you're heading over from northern Kentucky toward uh, the uh, Ohio end of things. But no real delay there. Southbound 7175, police activity uh, on the left shoulder by Buttermilk. Just northbound 7175. A bit mild between 275 and the river. And then everything else is green on the uh, the traffic map. So that's good to hear. As for weather, hopefully things aren't all green there. I mean, like, like weather as in like rain. I think it's green. I knew what you meant. Um, yeah. Uh, all I could think about is that if the buttermilk is green, 
you need to start over. Yeah, that's... Start uh, your situation over. That's never... Those aren't the pancakes I'd want. No. But weather is a service of Schneller, Knockleman Plumbing, Heating and Air, online at skpha.com. That's skpha.com. Temps in the lower 30s in Cincinnati, mostly sunny and cold. Few clouds this evening, chilly again, a low down to 23 degrees. For your Wednesday in the Cincinnati area, partly cloudy, seasonal, with a high of 46. Up to the Miami Valley and the Dayton area, uh, partly cloudy skies today with a high of 34. Partly cloudy this evening as well, a low down to 22. So uh, chilly. A little warmer tomorrow, sunny with a high of 45 degrees. We're back with Dr. Jared Stout after this. Please do stay with us as the Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's 18 past. Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click signs and magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click signs and magnets. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. So we got a bang-bang situation coming up over the next few days. We've got Christmas Eve on a Sunday. we got Christmas on a Monday. And then you're going to blink. And we've got New Year's Day the following Monday. The Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, which is also a Holy Day of Obligation. But uh, we'll talk about the situation that that provides uh, as we get closer. But what that means also is that we are right up against the end of the year. And so many of you were very generous. Helped us hit that $60,000 goal with our pledge drive on the Feast of St. Nicholas. Hard to believe that was like a, that was like 13 days ago. But here at the end of the year, I know that a lot of you are figuring out, like, how do I give to various causes, uh, you know, with these last remaining days of 2023, stuff that I know will be something I'm proud of supporting, uh, that it can really be a big help to. Just know that Sacred Heart Radio knows how to stretch a dollar. So if you are able to include us in our uh, in your end of year giving, we would be so appreciative and thankful. It would help us get a strong start to 2024. We're running seven, seven media platforms, uh, and we're doing so uh, in a remarkably efficient way. Like, if only you knew. You should ask your local, uh, whoever it is that you work for, hey, how much 
does it cost an hour to run our business? And I bet you would come up with a different number than the $150 uh, that we have here on Sacred Heart Radio, which, by the way, half of which comes from just listener support. So if you are able in any way to make a gift uh, here at the end of the year, a one-time gift especially, just to get us a boost into the new year, you know the value of Sacred Heart Radio. You know that when the world is going insane, when there is a lot of confusion, uh, when people are angry and irritable, that we're going to try and give you the stuff you need to understand what you got to know, but we're also going to give you the fuel that you need to try and pray, uh, to enter in, to get perspective on life and the world and how to be a better member of your family, a better member of your community, a better person in your workplace, a better evangelist, and a better representative of Christ out in the world. So if you value that, there are a few different ways to give. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click the donate button. That is super easy, and you can do it even when me or Annie or Paul or Beverly or Gail Finke are not in the studio. Sacredheartradio.com. Click donate for that. You can also uh, just call us if we're in the office, 513-731-7740. And this has been uh, a revolutionary thing for us. We got on Venmo. So if you got the Venmo app, you can just do at Sacred Heart Radio. That's our handle. Again, at Sacred Heart Radio on Venmo. It is like two clicks easy. So if you just say, you know what? I'm going to give Sacred Heart Radio $100 at the end of the year. I'm done with my Christmas shopping. I'm going to help Sacred Heart Radio. Go to your Venmo app at Sacred Heart Radio. We would be most appreciative, especially here at the end of the year. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Jared Stout, and uh, he is the author of How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. He's also director of content for Exodus 90. You can find them online at Exodus90.com. Dr. Stout, good morning. Morning. All right, so this is a great time to talk about this because the New Year's holiday always sneaks up on everybody and everybody is like ah i gotta figure something out uh, they figure it out on the 31st right what am i gonna do starting tomorrow um how does exodus 90 really help people have something like they can like anchor themselves to so they don't have to invent their own self-improvement plan from scratch yeah well first of all i i should say that exodus 90 is for men um but it is a powerful 90-day experience rooted in three things. Prayer. So we, we during the 90 days leading up to Easter, um, we dedicate ourselves to an hour of daily prayer. Um, and what we're known for is the second point, asceticism. So these are, you know, the disciplines of, of self-sacrifice, uh, especially the cold showers. That's what everybody focuses on, cold showers, but fasting and abstaining, um, from alcohol and also giving up unnecessary uh, media use and technology usage. And then the third thing is fraternity, um, that there is a weekly meeting you know, with a group of men, even a very short daily check-in with one guy called your anchor. And Exodus 90 is transformative, I think, because of the combination of those three things. A lot of people think that Exodus 90 is just men doing hard things. And if that were the case, I don't think it would be transformative, but it's doing these ascetical disciplines along with prayer, which, of course, is the heart of real transformation, but with support of brothers. And it really, really works. Um, 
Well, Dr. Stout, every time I go onto YouTube to watch some link that somebody has sent me, I see some bro saying, hey, man, switch out your coffee for this stuff that I made out of, like, mushrooms and sod, and it's going to, like, transform you into, like, a 2% body fat, like, mega bro. Uh, you know, I mean, this is this is something that people are trying to do all over the place outside of the context of the church, or I see all kinds of magazines on the rack every time I try and buy a gallon of milk at the grocery store saying, here are like five tips for mindfulness, right? Like all these things are stuff that, I mean, the people are trying to figure out how to like latch onto. What does putting them in the context of the, the heart of the church do to all these sort of natural desires that we have to be healthier, to focus more? Mm hmm well, I would say that the deepest thing that we need is God at the center of our lives. So all these other things, you know, might be pointing us in a helpful direction towards health and discipline and other things like that. But what we fundamentally need is God. Um, so I, I think that is uh, the most important thing. Um, but there are so many things in, in the world right now that we need freedom from. So Exodus, right, gets its name from the Exodus out of Egypt, where God calls Israel out of slavery under Pharaoh and brings them into the promised land uh, of freedom, of, of life lived as his son. And that's what we're really aiming at. And if you're able to get that central thing right, you know, to grow in your relationship with God, to allow him truly to be Lord of your life, to, to teach you what freedom really is, a lot of other things fall into place. And so guys have said doing Exodus that, you know, that their marriage has improved, that they're, they're better dads, that they have more peace of mind, that they do lose weight, you know, because of, of fasting and not eating junk food and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Jesus says it best in, in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added on to you. And so that's the real freedom that comes from doing Exodus 90. Well, I have a decent metabolism still in my mid-40s. I'm about the same weight as I was about 10 years ago. I'm not worried about shedding the physical weight. I mean, I should probably still do better than I do. I'm more worried about shedding the weight of the things that have attached themselves to my time <laughs> and to my energy and to my attention. And one of those things is on the table next to me and it buzzes like every 30 seconds to tell me something I need to look at. <laughs> How does Exodus 90 uh, help people kind of break free of those kind of attachments, those kind of things that are like, they're trying to, I feel like it's, it wants every single piece of me and, and I want to break free of that slavery. Like I wonder what kind of resources you have to help people break that kind of attachment? Well, I would say that the, the deepest thing is prayer once again, that, you know, we're trying to put away unnecessary technology usage, giving up social media and the news and sports and, and TV, all these things, right? And, and But we're trying to fill it with things, and primarily that is time with God. But I think what a lot of men discover is that they also have more time for their family, um, and that's what really helps. But in terms of accountability, this is why we have like a brief daily check-in with your anchor. You know, how are you doing today? Are you are you sliding back into the news there? You know, are you trying to play video games? You know, these things that were that were they're giving up, and it's not negative in the sense like somebody's looking over your shoulder, but it's just you know having some accountability through the men in your fraternity, because together you're trying to do the same thing. 
right? Every, we're, we're all trying to get this freedom in. I think anybody, if they really think about it, like you were saying that, you know, you, you realize that we need more freedom in this area, that there are just too many distractions, too many things, you know, kind of pulling us these different directions and intruding into our lives. Um, and this is a big reason why men do find greater freedom uh, doing an exodus. Yeah. And I think too, that men just want freedom from a hundred different kinds of things. And the men struggle with uh, excesses of, I mean, a, a guy who doesn't want to pay attention to sports, that's fine. You can be like, okay, so I watched the game on Sunday and that's the end of it. Except every single other day of the week is saturated with people unpacking the game that just happened and pointing towards the game that's about to happen, right? It's amazing how easy it is to get sucked in. Or maybe you want to try and uh, limit your lust and anger and all these other things. And yet uh, cable news is just saturated with stories that make you angry and often have some sort of salacious angle. <laughs> like, it's just so saturating. And I think that people want to break free. They want to break free and live outside of that world and inside of a place of freedom and peace and that is life-giving. So if our listeners want to connect with this, uh, let them know how they can uh, be a part of Exodus 90 this year, starting especially um, as, as the new year starts. Well, you can find us at exodus90.com. Um, and, you know, even though we're trying to, to st step back from technology, you can find us on YouTube and you can kind of watch some videos um, about, you know, what it means to do an exodus and what it will be like. So we have a lot of resources um, and you can even find a fraternity uh, through our app. So you can get on there and, and find other men in your area um, who are looking to do an exodus. But, but the best place to find guys um, is within your own parish, you know, because... Um, I think even though doing Exodus can be hard, there's just so many men um, who yearn for, for this kind of experience and for the freedom it offers. Well, if you go to Exodus90.com and go to the middle of the page, right there is our old buddy, weekly sunrise morning show regular guest, Father Boniface Hicks. And if he, you know, <laughs> if he's there helping you out, it's probably going to be probably going to be a little bit more doable than you think. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy with some great insights. So That's right, and he's offering um, weekly kind of support videos that uh, he and I are actually having weekly conversations just accompany men throughout this 90-day journey. So he's going to be there with us. Yeah, it's hard to me, for me to imagine that dude grew up atheist. He's like one of the – he's got a straight conduit to God. <laughs> he's an awesome guy and an awesome person to have involved in this. Thanks so much, Dr. Jared Stout. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. All right, 32 minutes past the hour. It's time for news. Good morning. Church leaders are stressing that there has been no change in church teaching on marriage with a new guidance issued by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith on blessing people in irregular relationships. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. The declaration does not change the church's teaching about marriage in any way, and the blessings that are allowed do not in any way signify approval of irregular unions. In summary, the Castries Declaration explains that when two people request a blessing, even if the situation that they find themselves in is irregular according to church law, it will nonetheless be possible for an ordained minister to consent to give the individuals a blessing. This gesture of pastoral closeness, however, must avoid any elements that even remotely resemble the right of blessing of marriage. 
The document from the Dicastery explores the theme of blessings, distinguishing between ritual and liturgical blessings on the one hand, and spontaneous ones that are more akin to signs of popular devotion on the other. It is precisely in the second category that there is now consideration of the possibility of welcoming even those who do not live according to the norms of Christian moral doctrine, but nonetheless humbly request to be blessed. You can find a link to the full text of the declaration in our coverage of the document on our website at www.vaticannews.va. I'm Christopher Wells. The U.S. Bishops' Conference released a statement yesterday on the matter saying the declaration, quote, articulated a distinction between liturgical or sacramental blessings and pastoral blessings, which may be given to persons who desire God's loving grace in their lives. The church's teaching on marriage, it says, has not changed, and this declaration affirms that while also making an effort to accompany people through the imparting of pastoral blessings, because each of us needs God's healing love and mercy in our lives, end quote. In other news, the United Nations Security Council will likely try again today to vote on a halt in the fighting in Gaza. Previous efforts have been vetoed by the United States as Israel continues the war against Hamas. This time, the Security Council is expected to call for a suspension of hostilities instead of an outright stop, hoping it could bring Washington on board. While the Biden administration has criticized the mounting civilian casualties in the war, it continues to argue that a full cessation of hostilities would only benefit Hamas. Meanwhile, the Biden administration will be rolling out one more package of military aid for Ukraine before the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on Monday. This comes as the administration is warning the U.S. will run out of money to provide military support to Ukraine if Congress doesn't take action. The Senate is currently negotiating a deal for additional funding and border security. Republicans say Ukraine aid will have to be paired with a deal on immigration. I'm Mark Mayfield. The late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor is set to be laid to rest today. Funeral services for O'Connor will be held at Washington National Cathedral, where President Biden and Chief Justice John Roberts are scheduled to speak. She was honored at the Supreme Court yesterday, where she lied in repose inside the building's Great Hall. O'Connor was the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court. She died December 1st at the age of 93. And Icelandic authorities are asking people to stay away from an erupting volcano. The eruption sent lava jets hundreds of feet in the air and lit up the sky in the southwestern part of the country last night. It was preceded by an earthquake swarm. A nearby resort was forced to shut down because of the eruption. That's the news. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right, Anna Mitchell, I'm definitely staying away from the volcano. All right, let's check on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They are uh, desperate to make a change at quarterback. In fact, they have uh, announced yesterday that Mason Rudolph will be given the opportunity, and I heard everyone in the locker room shouted with glee. All right, I'm done. The Steelers are uh, last place in the AFC North at 7-7, seven and seven respectively, while the Bengals sit in third place in the division at 8-6, and six, though it appears that uh, Jamar Chase, wide receiver for the Bengals, may uh, not be playing this week. He uh, 
has a sprained shoulder, may be considered week to week. Last night, Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks over the Philadelphia Eagles, 20-17. to Final score, Seahawks improved to 7-7. Seven and seven. Eagles now lost three in a row, sitting at 10-4. and four. Tonight, college hoops, Ohio State back in action, as uh, or they return to action tomorrow as uh, they tip off against New Orleans. Tonight, Cincinnati is on the hardwood as the 8-2 Bearcats host Merrimack. That's a check-in on sports. It's 38 past the hour. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I am Father Ronald Haft, chaplain for the Cincinnati Chapter of Courage. Courage is for those who have same-sex attractions but want to remain close to Christ and His Church. For information, contact me at courage at catholicaoc.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. A prayer to St. Peter Claver. Dear Saint of our modern times, you were permeated with compassion for the oppressed, for human beings sold as slaves and treated as expendable beasts. While alleviating their natural ills, you also took away their spiritual ills and taught them the surpassing knowledge of Christ. Inspire many of our contemporaries to become self-sacrificing missionaries like you. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Mark Watkins. 8.40 on the Sunrise Morning Show in these last few days, heading towards Christmas, and uh, we'll be actually doing a bunch of best-ofs into the new year, which means... I've only got a couple of extra times left this year to remind you that if you're going to do some end-of-the-year giving, the Sunrise Morning Show, Sacred Heart Radio, would be very appreciative if you remembered us in the process. You can give at sacredheartradio.com. You can go on the Venmo app and give at Sacred Heart Radio or call 513-731-7740. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis. He's Director of Translation Services at the International Commission on English in the liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, and morning is one of those things I'm not going to try and say more than 20 or 30 times this interview, because I know we're talking about morning prayer stuff again this <laughs> week, right? Yes, we are. All right, so what are we on? We are on the last week of Advent. So in morning prayer, we have, uh, we've been talking about the hymns of the office and uh, we've had the same hymn for the first part of Advent up through December 16th. 
but I thought we spent the last two weeks talking about that hymn. So now we're into the, the hymn for morning prayer for the last week of Advent, right up uh, from December 17th, right up until Christmas. And I wanted to look a little bit at, the, at that hymn um, and the new translation that we've got of it. All right. So what has changed in the tone between the beginning of Advent and what we start with now? Yeah, so now we're we're really looking forward to th- this this new hymn uh, for the last week of Advent ties together the expectation of the first coming of Christ at Christmas, but also looking ahead to the second coming of Christ at the end of time and and looking forward to our entry into heavenly glory with Him. So it kind of ties all of these things together: the first coming, the second coming, and then our are joining Christ in heaven uh, at the end of time. So if you look at uh, the current hymn off, uh, option for morning prayer for this last week of Advent, uh, we have, it's just sort of a plug-in hymn, an existing hymn text that's sort of related to the text that the church proposes for us to sing, but it's it's not really a translation. But it's not a bad hymn. It's short and sweet. It's straight to the point. Behold a virgin bearing him who comes to save us from our sin. The prophets cry, prepare his way, make straight his paths to Christmas Day. Behold our hope and life and light, the promise of the holy night. We lift our prayer and bend our knee to his great love and majesty. That's it. Two short stanzas. Uh, They rhyme. They're very English-friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's fine, and it and it gets across, you know, make straight his paths, the prophets are crying out, we're looking forward to Christmas. Um, so it gets a lot of the same themes. But this is the this is the hymn text that the church proposes for us that we've we've translated afresh for the first time. Uh, and it's not two stanzas, it's it's six stanzas. Oh wow. With mighty voice the prophets cry that Christ the Lord is drawing near. Rejoicing, they foresee the grace by which he saves us and redeems. And so our morning sun shines forth, our hearts ablaze with radiant joy. We hear the faithful voice resound, precursor of God's glorious gift. At that first advent... Christ our God came forth not to condemn the world, but came to cleanse our gaping wound, to seek and save what had been lost. Christ's second coming warns us all that he is standing at the gates to give to saints their glorious crowns and open wide the heavenly realm. Eternal light is now foretold The saving star is shining forth. Its radiant splendor summons us and calls us to the heavenly court. Christ Jesus, you alone we seek to see you face to face as God. May this unending vision be an everlasting hymn of praise. Amen. That's that's robust, man. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because um, we have in English, you know, a lot of hymns that are written for English. And, of course, they're also mixed in with all the other English pop songs that kind of pop up this time of year. We get, yeah. you know, such a sanitized and sort of proper um, understanding of, of, of what is happening at Christmas. It's this pure, quaint, 
you know, cute baby, and you know, it yeah. warms our hearts. Uh, we don't get anything in English that's like Christ came <laughs> to clean cleanse our gaping wound. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. intense stuff. Yeah, I was thinking about. I was gonna. I wanted to talk about that phrase in particular because it's such a it's such a physical image. Yes, it is. It's, it's sort of a it's shocking gross. thing. It's and a little real. gross, right? Yeah. It's I, it's almost embarrassingly physical and bodily. Like we don't like to talk about you know bodily fluids, but um, but you sometimes you have to, and that's and that's the reality of the incarnation is that it wasn't just some cute little uh, doll baby. He was real. He was in the flesh. Um, I was just explaining this to my kids last night. I was we were doing a little Advent uh, Bible story devotion last night, and I was saying to them. Now, did Jesus really come? Was he? Did he have a real body, or was he something like a ghost? And of course, my four-year-old who hasn't had much catechism, he goes, "Oh, he was just a ghost." Yeah, my tell your four-year-old my... <laughs> he's got to be worried about donatism or misogynism. Like seven... Yes. Yeah, but my seven-year-old says, "Oh no," because she's had she's had more catechism. Oh no, he was real. He had a body, and so we talked about that. We said, "Yeah, he you could he he was a real baby. It wasn't just." a vision he wasn't just a ghost he he pooped and he peed and and he probably spit up and and his spit up probably smelled and and it you was know, real adults can't handle that stuff but kids are super <laughs> into it like it's fascinating to me and and okay so this is the last thing that you know I, I would love to have just a brief comment from you on like this kind of stuff like these original latin things that get into the grit and the grime and the whatever mm-hmm. like you and I are like civilized adults, and we're like, oh, that's improper. But the church is younger than us. The church is a yes. child in a lot of ways. And the church is like, no, here's the stuff that like you would actually care about if you were actually entering the church as a child. We think entering the church as a child is like, oh, I want innocent, quaint images. But children want to know the blood and guts and excrement part yeah. of the story. <laughs> and the church is yeah. like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well. Dr. Lewis, we don't get to talk to you again until after Christmas. So thank you so much for all you've done to help unpack some of these wonderful, like, hidden treasures that are now come to light in English. And uh, remind our listeners where they can get the Divine Office hymnal if they want to grab one heading into the Christmas season. Yeah, it's currently being published by GIA. So you go to GIAmusic.com and you can order a copy of the Divine Office hymnal. All the hymns of the office are there translated afresh. Um, and they're just chock full of of rich meaning. Yes, and very human stuff. Thanks so much, Dr. Lewis. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too, Matt. All right, 12 Till, we're back right after this. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal 
As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We have been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can pick up a copy for yourself to study along with us from ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we are back with one of the contributors to this guide, Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Dr. Morrow, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And our lesson today is on the book of Ecclesiastes, which most people are probably familiar with, you know, that bird song, turn, turn, turn. I'll spare you singing it, but it's probably in everybody's heads, even just my stating the title. Um, But if that's all they know, there's so much more to know. So tell us about the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we often think of that line, there's a time for everything, um, as kind of paradigmatic of this, this text. But really, um, in my opinion, the book of Ecclesiastes is really about the vanity of life without God, mm. right? So it's, it's trying to—this is attributed to Solomon, Kohelet, right, the preacher, the son of David. Um, and that even that term, Kohelet, really comes from this idea of calling for the assembly to come together— the kahal, which is what, which is where the word church comes from, ecclesia. Um, and so, what he's doing is he's trying to talk about natural reason, knowing about the world through reason alone, what our senses can kind of capture. But that's really not all that's there. The the the, the author of Ecclesiastes believes in God, but he's going to kind of explore wisdom apart from that. And so, it kind of ends with this: fear God. This is this is wisdom. You know, you need to. It's God. It's not, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, if the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, and he's looking at the theme of wisdom apart from God, he has quite a bit of experience with that theme in his own life, does he not? Yeah, he does, right? Cause he, and he gets wisdom from God. I mean, one of the things that strikes me both about Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is this emphasis on the fear of the Lord, because that's not what really typifies Solomon's wisdom. He has this kind of special wisdom God gives him. But it does typify David's wisdom. And so at kind of the end of the day, when you get to the end of both of these books, um, you kind of see that Solomon recognizes, you know, David had a greater wisdom than I did Mm. because he had the fear of the Lord, that humility and trust in the Lord. And that's really the key to the whole thing. Wow, that's beautiful. So give us a, a little outline of the book of Ecclesiastes. What can we expect in this book? Well, it be, you know, I would divide it kind of focusing on the beginning sections, really chapters one after you get after the prologue, uh, to roughly six is all about vanity, right? Vanity and kind of everything, pleasure, wis- even wisdom, right? Work, seasons, time, people, riches, everything that you have, it's all vain. It's not just there's a time for everything, but it's all vain because that's, that's all we have. 
And then it moves from Chapter 6 on to maybe 10, 11, ignorance, the lack of Mm. knowledge, right? Um, This is where you get into themes like about moderation, um, righteousness versus wickedness, the wisdom versus folly, rulers and those they rule. This is kind of an important section here. And then you get, after that, uh, there's about a chapter or so, an 11 into 12, about becoming old, old age, and the young. And then it kind of ends with these you know, quick, pithy, wise sayings. In my opinion, actually, Peter Kreeft probably does the best on this in this book, um, Three Philosophies of Life. And when he talks about Ecclesiastes, really is the book the rest of the Bible was written in answer to. Not, oh, it doesn't wow. mean that historically. Huh. It's not historically. Yeah. But it's the question of what is life, really? What is life? What, are we, what can we know about life? And the whole book of the Bible is the answer. It's, it's God and God's call for us. Yeah, and um, listeners will recall that you grew up in a Jewish household. Um, can you talk about how this book is used in Jewish tradition? Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, actually, I'm not even sure we didn't we didn't use this in uh, in my in my tradition. I mean, my family we didn't really use Ecclesiastes that I can remember, but I'm sure it's uh, um, yeah. I don't remember it coming up much at all, other than in, in song. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, well, I'll just read from from the guide here. Um, Please. It's interesting that your family didn't use it. Now, reading what, uh, what it says here in the guide, it says, In the Jewish tradition, Ecclesiastes is known by the Hebrew title, Kaheleth, and yep. is part of the writings read during the great liturgical feasts. Ecclesiastes is traditionally read in the autumn at Sukkot. So, oh, Sukkot, yeah, Feast Sukkot. of Tabernacles. That Feast makes a lot of sense. Feast of Tabernacles. Can you yep. talk about why that okay. makes sense to you? Oh, well, I didn't realize. It's funny because it was all in Hebrew, so I didn't catch all of them. So, <laughs> oh, I yeah, believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting because I think that, that would be have to do with the seasons because there's so much going on with the change into autumn. That would make a lot of sense because you have all of this discussion of feasting in that section of Ecclesiastes. So that actually makes perfect sense to me. And I've obviously, I definitely, even though we were pretty secular, I did celebrate Sukkot or Sukkot. They'd say uh, uh, in the Ashkenazic pronunciation, but um, yeah, so that makes sense because it has to do with the liturgical feasts. Sure. Well, you are Catholic now, so let's talk about this in in the Catholic tradition. I thought it was interesting in the guide here talked about how um, Ecclesiastes, um, along with the Book of Proverbs, which we discussed last time, and the the Song of Songs, which we'll discuss next time how those three are can kind of be um, images of the stages of interior life. Oh, right, the purgative. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there is a way in which you can see this, this purgation, right, illumination and being united with God. This is kind of the classic three ages of the interior life, right? And so purgative in the sense that you're recognizing, in a sense, the vanity of everything, mm. right? It would be illuminative in the sense of in that in, in which what what do we know about virtue and how in the ways of God? And then unit at the very end, I think you have the unitive of it, it concludes with the, the centrality of fear of the Lord, yeah. so that you're trusting in the Lord to be united with Him. And so those, those are kind of the classic three ages of the interior life well, well, uh, that you can find in these. And we will talk about the unitive uh, the next time we get together when we talk about the Song of Songs. But in the meantime, encourage folks to pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. You can find it at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Dr. Morrow, thank you. Thank you.
And thank you for listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks, Anna and Dr. Morrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair. 513-383-2974. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.